Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville. We are live for the first time on a Thursday evening in quite some time, and we want to thank you for taking the time to join us. <clears throat> if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show and hope you'll tune in. And, of course, you can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. And don't forget also... Um, well, where else? Well, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville there, though. We interact a little bit less there. Forgive us. Got to pick and choose, and we didn't pick that one. <laughs> Already some upgrades on the show here. Well, excuse me as I bump into the mic. Getting used to where we want to put our mic because we have uh, a new mic location, as it were, and loving the fact, or a new system as well. So very happy about that. Um... As we get off of that uh, new soundboard, which has some some bells and whistles, um, let's see here. Is it, is it activated so you so you can hear this? Let, let's let's test this out here. A second, hold on. Um, bear with me. Just adjusting some volume levels. <laughs> yeah, people think that's funny. And there's some applause, and then an ode to Pat Conan. <laughs> The sad trombone. We got it all. We got it all here, folks. That's how we operate. Uh, we are upgrading the show slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Um, by the way, wearing a TBT shirt. Can I just say the guys at TBT are awesome, and I want to congratulate Mike uh, Raniak uh, and the team. I, I know they didn't win the first round again, but they they keep coming closer and closer, the YD3 team in the TBT. And the TBT guys reached out and said, hey, want some swag? Yeah. Swag. Got a TBT shirt. So we're wearing that tonight in honor of the TBT, which obviously is uh, not going right now. But uh, nonetheless, um, there we go. So we're off and running. Top 25 came out. Of course, we talked about that on a, on the special Monday show. Um, not much to talk about except for results. We'll certainly dive into those here momentarily. By the way, uh, in football, I want to congratulate the five Gallardi finalists who have been just announced recently. If you want more information on that, go to d3football.com, of course. And uh, otherwise, we are neck deep in, in, <laughs> in basketball here as we kind of come up to uh, exams and all that stuff. And, of course, we will be coming up on breaks. Just as we're getting rolling, we're going to get breaks. Um, in men's basketball, hats off to Daryl Nestor. Always puts this together and makes it real easy. Um to double-check some things. On the men's side, it's been quiet so far. Trine lost to Heidelberg. Remember, we talked about Heidelberg on uh, the show Monday. Maybe they're the team that we should be talking about instead of Trine and Mount Union and and all these others, Baldwin-Wallace, etc. Um, they got the win 60, or 72-67. Um, by the way, Trine will be taking on lacrosse later in the uh, week. They'll be playing them coming up here on Saturday. Uh, Heidelberg, we'll double-check them in a second. Emory, by the way, lost uh, 69-58 to Covenant. Emory's now 4-3 and three on the season. That's their last game for a little bit. They'll probably fall out of the top 25 as a result of that. Everybody else has wins. Um, Yeshiva got a big win over Brooklyn. They're playing tonight against Washington College. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, Illinois Wesleyan is going to be taking on Wheaton this week. That's another big game to keep an eye on. Oshkosh will be taking on North Central Saturday. That's another big game this weekend. 
Uh, Wheaton got past Carroll earlier rather easily. Elmer's got past Milliken rather easily earlier this week. Um, Whitworth got past Whitman this week. That That's just of note. Uh, we don't have to worry about WashU losing a font bomb. They won 75, 71-48. Swarthmore defeated Susquehanna, 88-60. Uh, Amherst got past Springfield, 75-61. Springfield, of course, not the beast that we were used to pre-pandemic. Um, but we'll keep an eye on, on the NESCAC because we have a great comparison. Williams, who's taking on Union tonight, will take on Springfield Saturday. So we get a nice little comparison there between Amherst and Williams that we'll keep an eye on later. Um by the way, DeSales jumped out at me. They defeated Stephen 64-44. So that's how we have DeSales on the show tonight. We should also point out we'll have St. John Fisher women's basketball. Both teams ranked number 25 in the latest top 25 polls. We'll talk to both of them. We'll talk about our guests here in a moment. Um, in the receiving votes category on the men's side, Widener is 4-4, four and four, apparently still receiving votes. They lost to Eastern by 7. Mass Dartmouth, who had started off pretty solid, they've now lost a couple, uh, including to Eastern Connecticut by 2. And Nichols uh, had its first loss. They beat Trinity in overtime back on Monday, but then they lost to Wentworth yesterday, 95-79. They'll play Tufts this weekend. So Nichols with an odd loss. So Wentworth has been getting attention, for cer- certainly. We'll keep an eye on things there. On the women's side of things, a little bit quieter, though number three, Eau Claire, lost to Bethany Luther in 63-61. And I saw a report from Gordon Mann saying he was really impressed with not only Eau Claire, but Bethany Lutheran. So maybe we should be keeping an eye on Bethany Lutheran. Uh, everybody else pretty much won except for Messiah. They lost to York 61-55. They got Lev Val coming up in conference play on Saturday. I think Messiah is one we need to maybe reevaluate. I don't know. Maybe they're just not as good as we thought they were going to be. In the receiving votes category, St. Benedict lost to Hamlin and Gustavus Adolphus lost to Augsburg. Back to just in general what's going on. Hope hasn't played, though they got a game tonight and a game Saturday. Whitman um, defeated Whitworth, and they got Colorado College coming up. John Carroll's got a game with Capital coming up. That's certainly worth keeping an eye on. They're undefeated. Wartburg's got a big game against number 12, Simpson, coming up. Simpson's 6-1, Wartburg 7-0. Amherst is idle. Whitewater is idle. Trine's got a game against Olivet. Christopher Newport's got a game against Marymount. Of course, new head coach at Marymount. Uh, DePaul's beat Wittenberg's got a game with Oberlin coming up. uh, We mentioned Transylvania's got a big game with Bluffton coming up this weekend. Tufts beat WPI and will take on MIT coming up this weekend. Wheaton's playing well still. East Texas Baptist, who fell to 17th, has a game against Laternal on Saturday. Uh, so interesting things going on, to say the least. So back to our guest, St. John Fisher will be coming on. They're the number 25-ranked team in the country. Their head coach will come on, talk about the first time they've been ranked since 2005, uh, and some other things, including the fact that uh, she is due with a baby here soon. We'll talk about those distractions and amongst other things, but how can the team keep going on and, and playing well, and what does she expect from the squad? Men's basketball and DeSales, men's basketball, they're ranked number 25 as well. They'll be um, off to a tremendous season after having a really good start to the season last year, really a COVID season. They played well throughout. We'll talk to Scott Koval about his squad in a moment. Then we'll switch gears, talk about the number one Yeshiva Maccabees, but not talk to the Yeshiva Maccabees. We'll talk to Gary Belsky, who wrote a terrific article about them for ESPN. It is a lengthy but very in-depth and thorough article, one of the best I've seen, not only for a a team like Yeshiva and describing everything that goes on with a a squad like that, but really for a D3 team. So we, we invited Gary on, finally arranged it, and he'll be joining us to see how things are going with them. 
and talk to how he got involved with the story, see how he got interested in it, et cetera, and what he learned. Maybe he learned something he didn't know about it. Maybe he didn't. Maybe we're all the ones still learning. And then we're going to talk to Dan Showman, Athletics Director for Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Um, I think it was Monday they announced a $72 million athletic center is to be built by 2024. Seats 5,000, I think, for hoops. One of the things I was curious about, what does that mean for championships? May they be playing, making a play for championships? The answer is possibly. They could be. So we'll talk to him about that. And really what I would call the arms race now amongst a number of schools in terms of their facilities. You're starting to, you know, yeah, it's not a new thing, but it certainly isn't losing steam. Brandon Casey's got me busy. He asked a question earlier based on the season play. And he knows and admits it's early. Who would you be your shortlist for men's and women's player of the year so far? And I told him, yes, it's early. I'm not ready to dive into that rabbit's uh, den just yet. He said, that's fair. Didn't know if any individuals have caught your eye yet. I mean, on the men's side, it's easy for Yeshiva. Um, it's uh, uh, Terrell. And for Randolph-Macon, it's Buzz Anthony. But there's so many other great players out there who are having pretty good starts of the seasons that I don't want to just kind of stick on those two. Uh, on the women's side, I think it starts at Hope to be honest, but there's other great players out there too. So we're still seeing teams kind of ramp up. I want to, I want a little more time. I usually like seeing, you know, maybe discussing that in January. Brennan also follows up, says, are you aware of many D3 hoops teams or other D3 sports athletes taking advantage of the new NIL rules? Um, not that many. I think on football, there definitely were a few. Uh, we know, for example, an entire program, was it Willamette? Willamette football, the entire program has a deal. That is an NIL-based deal. But really, not surprisingly, it isn't a large thing. I think more importantly for Division Three student-athletes, in my opinion, it isn't necessarily any deals that they will get. It's not like they're going to get um, an, an Adidas <laughs> contract or uh, or anything along those lines. I think it's going to be for those guys like, and I'm going to forget his name and I apologize, we had that Mount Union player a couple of years ago who had his own YouTube page. Now he can monetize that. The, the opportunity for student-athletes to monetize what they're doing within whatever scope the school puts in place, and the schools are going to have some rules and, and guidelines, that is where I think you're going to see most of the Division three angle on things. You're certainly going to see that at Division one too. But I think people get a little caught up on the um, sponsorships with NIL. And I think... What I've always thought was most important with quote-unquote NIL in the NCAA was allowing student-athletes to make money based on themselves. Maybe not based on a school, maybe not based on, you know, using the school's name and likeness to further your career, but on the flip side, the school not using your name and likeness to further them unless there's some deal in place. But more importantly, you furthering yourself based on you and making some money that we don't normally get to see. That's where I was expecting to see it, and I think we will see most of that in Division Three. Is it going to be hugely popular? Probably not. I don't think the majority of student-athletes in any sport, let alone across Division Three, are going to be NIL student-athletes. I don't think this is an earth shaker within Division Three. I think there's a number of, of schools and, and locations that want to make it that. It's not going to be that. But that's their play. Um, so we'll see how it, it transitions. It's going to take some time. 
you know, a flash in the pan's nice, but even at the Division One level, it's going to take time to really see a lot of this stuff kind of flush itself out uh, and, and be effective and all of that. So that's kind of where my take is on that, Brennan. Uh, Double-checking email because I forgot to. Nope, no emails as of yet. Don't forget, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. I mentioned our game starting off tonight and being played. Yeshiva just tipped off against Washington College. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm not expecting anything crazy there. Um, it's off to a 7-6 start, four minutes, or 9-6 start, four minutes into the game, but I'm not expecting Washington College to hang tight. Number five, St. Joseph's is underway against Elms. Number nine, Mary Harden-Baylor is taking on McMurray later tonight. Uh, we mentioned that Williams is taking on Union. That game has started. Those are in the, in the ranked categories. In the women's side of things, number one, Hope, is actually playing Benedictine tonight. And we'll keep an eye on that one. Harden-Simmons is taking on Concordia, Texas. They are up 25-6 early in the second quarter. And that's it for ranked teams underway. We'll keep an eye out for other games as well. Keep See what... Keeps our interest, as it were, um, with many things going on around Division Three. As we kind of get used to the schedule now, we're back at it, and so on and so forth. Don't forget the D3Hoops.com. Um, D3Hoops.com Classic is coming up in Las Vegas with our partners at Brett at uh, Sport Tours and Brett Seymour, our, our man, the myth, and the legend. Um, if you're an interested team who wants to play, by the way, time is not or space is not available for this year. Um, but we're looking at next year, get in touch with myself, Pat Coleman, or if you know Brett Seymour, get in touch with Brett. We can certainly get you lined up for next season. Reminder, it's we don't invite you. The Hoopsville Classic, we invited. In, the, uh, in this system, you invite yourself if you're willing to pay a little bit. So don't, don't be afraid to, to uh, jump on board that, that event out at South Point Arena and Hotel in Las Vegas. Looking forward to being out there. We got 19 games this year because 19 teams are coming and we're playing them over three days. We will play seven games the first day, seven games the second day, and five games the third day. Oh, so looking forward to that. We start a lot of our prep work for that tomorrow as we will be shipping out gear ourselves to get things ready to go. So there you go. A little bit as we get underway here on a Thursday. Again, coming up, St. John Fisher women's basketball coach will join us to talk about her Cardinal squad, ranked for the first time since 2005, which is pretty darn impressive, if I do say so myself. Uh, we will talk to her about her squad. And of course, we'll also talk coming up to sales men's basketball. We'll talk Yeshiva while they're playing. We won't talk to them. We'll talk about uh, Yeshiva. We'll also talk about maybe a little change in things coming out of the Midwest in terms of championship locations a reminder we are headed to fort wayne for the next uh six years if memory serves i think i i I tend to get that one wrong no i think it's actually technically five years because we've lost two years of the championship so they've got next year and then four more after that women were heading to pittsburgh this year before we will then head to salem the next year and i don't remember where it goes from there i'm gonna have to double check um and of course the women are going to dallas for the D3, D2 at D1 event coming up uh, in a few years as well. Man, we missed out on that in Atlanta, and there's no, doesn't sound like there's any plans to make that up. Um, So there you go. I think I got it all covered, right? 
We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk St. John Fisher women's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More, plenty more Hoopsville when we come back. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. What makes D3 special is the ability to participate in my team and within the broader community. The perfect ending to a perfect season. Being a D3 student athlete has completely expanded my life. I learned how to lead. I really found a voice. What time is it? It's more about the experience rather than just a sport itself. Without the experience of being a Division III student athlete, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. NCAA Division III. Discover. Develop. Dedicate. you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're underway on a Thursday evening. We haven't done that in a little while. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. We'll try and answer your questions as best we can. I'm not going to make any promises, but we'll do our best. Um, you can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Don't see any questions there now, but we'll certainly do our best to answer them if we see them in there as well. We're also on Instagram, though we don't interact during the show, at d3hoopsville there as well. So there you go. No excuses, as uh, Brendan Casey's been giving us lots of questions to talk, talk about. 
One of the great things about the top 25 is uh, every year we get to see something new or see something we haven't seen in a while. It's not always the same old, same old team, so sometimes it can feel like that, especially on the women's side of things. Uh, when it comes to uh, women's basketball, though, one team is in the rankings, and, and I seriously, I got to go back to what, what uh, Gordon wrote. This was in the middle of Monday's show, and I used it then. I will use it now. Last time this team was in the poll was January 17, 2005. Number one movie at the time was Coach Carter. Number one song was Let Me Love You by Mario. The president was George W. Bush, and folks were watching Fear Factor, Desperate Housewives, The Shield, and Boston Legal. I only shared it because Gordon does amazing research, and it's worth mentioning it a tenth time. St. John Fisher is doing something pretty amazing. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, we appreciate them taking the time to do so. It is the head coach of the St. John Fisher women's basketball program. It is Melissa Kuberka. Kuberka, I hope I said it right. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Welcome to the show. Ouch. Hold on a second. I just realized we can't hear you. So we're going to, we're going to fix the uh, audio here real quick because God, God forbid we do this properly. Uh, The new system's in place and I think we're messing with the new system. So that's our fault. Uh, We'll try it this way. Go ahead and give us another. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. I'm a little low, but we'll fix me later. Um, Yeah. You were saying last time in 2005, you were how old? 13 years old. Oh Lord. That makes me feel old, but that's okay. We'll, we won't dwell on it too much. Oh, we're here now. Yeah, there we're, you we're, go. We're, exactly. Um, I mean, St. John Fisher, you guys have had some good seasons. It's not like it, it's like you've been under the radar and nobody's seen you. I mean, 21 and 7 back in, in 2020. You guys were 19 and 8 before that, 21 and 6 before that. You've had these teams. It's just, it's sometimes hard to get in and get recognition in the top 25, especially out of the East region. So it, it, it's got to feel good to at least know that you're getting some of that attention. Definitely. I, I think it's, you know, a testament to the players that we have and the, the time that they've put in this group of seniors has really worked their way um, through a lot to get to this point. Um, but, but really it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we're not often looking at the top 25 because we're, we're obviously not often there. Um, and, you know, in our conference, not, not isn't necessarily represented often. So it's one of those things where when we found out we were in it, it was oh, kind of cool. Okay. Let's get to practice. Um, you know, when you step back and reflect on it again, it is, it is a testament to what the seniors have done these last couple of years and how they've brought along the underclassmen. Now off to a six and zero start Hilbert, a win Hamilton on the road, Rochester tech and Rochester. That's certainly a big win by three in a UAA team. A win over Widener and a win over Penn state Harrisburg with a game tomorrow night against Clarkson and then Saturday against Buffalo state. You're certainly squeezing them in where you can. Yeah, and that, that's what we have to do. We want to make our non-conference schedule as competitive as possible. Um, you know, not, obviously last year with not a lot of teams playing or obviously not playing normal um, season, it was hard to get a read on what what it was going to look like. But we're, we're thankful for the teams that we've been able to play so far and two, two good good conferences represented in the teams we're playing ahead of us the, the next two days. When you look at a schedule like this and try and organize it within the scope of COVID, how challenging is it? That, well, that was, you know, a huge piece of it, hoping, you know, not knowing who who we could play, who where we could travel. Um, it was di- very different. And, you know, looking back two years ago when we had a normal season, you know, we started off going up to Toronto. Then we were up in, in Boston playing Emmanuel in Emmanuel's tournament down at NYU. 
um, you know, Middlebury, we were, we were able to travel a little bit more and get exposure to some, some stronger teams. And this year it was just doing our best to say, you know, let's find some, some local, local esque teams um, who are going to give us a good run and make us better before we see conference play. Talking with a, uh... Sorry, my audio, people have just gone deaf because I fixed my audio. Uh, Coach Kaberka uh, here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline coming out of uh, St. John Fisher. Uh, the one thing about the, your location, of course, is is you're going to have to travel a little bit sometimes to have a bit of a diverse schedule. How, how hard is that for you guys? Um, honestly, you know, Fisher is, is an outstanding place to work in terms of giving us the resources we need to go play teams. It's just a matter of you know, scheduling and finding the teams that have those spots for us. But it's great to have, you know, teams like RIT and, you know, University of Rochester right in our backyard to know we're going to have some good competition. But, um, you know, it's, there's definitely a, a difficulty factor in terms of finding the, the right dates and tournaments and all that. But everyone, everyone feels feels that. Um, but we, we do our best. And I, I, the nice thing is I don't feel like we have, you know, teams aren't willing to play us. Know, especially out of, out of region teams, they, they're willing to play us, and that's been a great experience, both basketball-wise, but also just for our team to get out of the area and, and see somewhere new. Well, and that's huge. That's huge. If, you, if you're not having a fight necessarily for, you know, to find opponents or to find locations or tournaments or whatever it has to be, it takes a little bit of the pressure off, too. It allows you to focus on other things. Definitely. And, you know, I, I think that we've kind of all realized after losing – the end of 2020, we, we were done, but you know, not really getting to see the 2020 tournament play out. Last year being what it was, I think everyone just wants to play and finding finding games, finding great opponents, um, and being able to compete again. We're, we're not looking to, to beat teams by 100, and we're not looking to lose by 100. We're looking to go out and have that competitive game that we, we missed for, for a while. Yeah, we should point out you did play 12 games last year, finished 9-3, and 6-1 and one in the Empire 8, granted a quirky year, just glad to play to some degree. But how much is that impacting this season still? You know, last year was awesome that we got to play. It was great for the freshmen to be able to come out and play. Uh, they got, their parents got to see them play once um, with the, the whole fan rule and everything. Um, but really, you know, in our, in our mind last year doesn't doesn't count to some extent. You know, we, we lost, um, my time here, we've lost two Empire 8 championships my first two years here. And some of those players were on the team last year when we technically lost the, the Empire 8 championship. And we all kind of walked away from that game realizing like you know, it was such a different feel it didn't feel like we lost the championship it felt like we lost against a, a good team that happens to be a mile down the road um you know so that last year was just an opportunity for us to get in the gym think about something other than covid be able to to be with each other and, and again let the, let the freshmen grow a little bit but i don't feel like my sophomores are sophomores yet you know, they still have a, a lot of time before they're they're going to get to that point um but you know this year we're right back into things where it's much more normal and so they're they're kind of lumped in with the freshmen learning how things go with conference play travel all of that um you know it's kind of crazy to think this past weekend or two weeks ago when we, we traveled down to penn state harrisburg it's the first time over half my team 11 of my players you know stayed in a hotel together for a road trip um yeah kind of amazing no i i can get it i mean i've i've been doing some travel recently and for even i'm like wow I'm at a hotel. This is, I haven't done this in a little while, forgetting some of the procedures. Um, exactly. I, what I also find, by the way, you won't mention, 
Nazareth is a school about a mile down the road. Um, I realize, rival, you don't want to necessarily give them any added attention. I'm sorry. Nope, you can't see the jersey. We've got it hiding. So we're okay. Perfect. We'll get you a Fisher one. Yeah, well, okay. Well, hey, we got room. We got room. Um, you obviously will get into conference play eventually. It's not until the other side of the new year. I was kind of talking to some people recently about whether there's advantages of playing some conference games in December or not, whether you want to play them all in January. You won't until January. Is there an advantage to that, that you can kind of work out what you need to work out without the distraction of knowing there's a game that means maybe a little bit more than the current game coming around the corner? Definitely. I, I think there's um, there's pros and cons, cons to it. You know, this will be the last year where we don't play first semester. Um, starting next year with Madai being added to our conference, right. we're going to have some semester games um but I, yeah definitely having no no conference play allows us to you know really figure out you know where where we're at um and every game is that barometer figure you know what player to player but also with our with with our team in general um you know adding that conference play sure it adds that piece of you know this game could could be very impactful down the road but we talked about it as a team early on that every one of these games right now is impactful for us because we're not getting an at-large bid out of our conference so we need to make sure we're playing the best teams that we can and treat these games like they're going to affect us in february because really they they, they are going to affect us in february do you feel like this conference could get an extra bid or is it is there a conference that just by its design just isn't there and it'll take a little while to get there I think right now we're, we're not there um, and we've had a lot of changes with teams leaving and, and, and being added and so yeah. I don't think we're in that place right now and you know I think as a whole if you look at all of our non-conference schedules it's not like we're all we're all playing ranked teams um, giving us that opportunity to grow the strength of schedule um, you know I'd hope down the road we could get to that point but um, you know, I, I don't think that's anyone's focus in the conference right now. It's, you know, you have to come out with, with winning the Empire Eight Championship and, you know, if that's the way, what it takes to get to the tournament, what, what better way, what more fun way is there than that? You've got four seniors on the squad. You were talking about kind of their experience coming into the season and all. Anybody take that COVID year? Are you, are you almost heavy in terms of roster numbers because of that? Um, we actually lost quite a few last year who chose not to play and not to come back, um, which was you know disappointing in the sense that I would I hate the thought of anyone not choosing not to play. Um, you know I would do anything to have another college basketball season, but completely understand the circumstances. Um, you know we're definitely heavy with the freshmen. Um, took more freshmen than we, we normally would. Um, just really not knowing what what everything would shake out to be, but um, you know it's, we we have our it's a group of seniors who've been with us for the four years. We had one who didn't play last year who came back this year. Um, you know, our, our roster really, one of those things, had no idea what was going to happen October 15th. And the group that we have, I, I couldn't be happier with. Um, and again, we, we have, we're definitely young, uh, but with, this is the, my first full uh, senior class that I've had for four years in, in my coaching time. Um, and so it's, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that they've chosen to stick it out and that what they've done in terms of leadership and what they've gone through um, as players with, with last year and now, you know, this year with a, a very young team around them. How hard is it to recruit with that dynamic of not knowing the numbers? Like, do you, are you worried about over-recruiting because you, all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of, of upperclassmen who decide to, to play that one more year? Are you worried about um, under-recruiting, not knowing if any of them are coming back? How difficult is that now? And, and I assume it will be for a, a few year, more years. 
Uh, I mean, it's just the honest conversations, you know, when we're recruiting, it's, you know, I, I don't think the truth is I don't know. And we've had the conversation with our seniors about staying an extra year. And, you know, some are sure that they're going on and some are sure that, you know, they, they might want to stick around and they're going to at least think about sticking around. Um, and same as we go down with the, the juniors and sophomores. But, um, you know, that with Division Three, we, we have nothing to, you know, bind them to come to, to play for us. So I think over recruiting is, is definitely a, a real thing. But at the same time, you know, there's it's very easy for a player to walk in the office and say, hey, you know, I have this great internship that I can't pass up. You know, I can't play. And so it's just that understanding of, you know, I don't want a roster of 20, but at the same time, I maybe have to recruit for a roster of 17, knowing I'm going to lose two or three just through attrition every year. Um, and I, I think that's the beauty of Division Three is that they choose to play because they want to be and uh, their the academics are, are so important to them. Um, sometimes it stings when they come in and say that this internship is more important than, than playing basketball, but you got to do what you got to do, and, and we're going to respect those decisions. Uh, you're led, interesting enough, by a sophomore in Claire uh, Krushka. 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 Yep. I overthought it, but 14.7 points a game, shooting 47% from the floor, four rebounds a game, uh, has her uh, leading leading in the team in assists as well, uh, along with steals. And you also have a senior, Miranda Lynch, in double figures at 11.3, and double figures for junior Caitlin Walker at 10.3, and 8.8 .8 for Sydney Tomaso. So you're getting contributions from everybody, but it's interesting you have a sophomore quasi-freshman kind of leading the way right now. Yeah, so Claire Claire was Rookie of the Year for our conference again last year. I, I don't know if any of that stuff technically counts. I mean, it counts, but if it, if it really has as much meaning, um, and I, I think we're, we're all in, in agreement with that. Um, but Claire Claire is definitely the uh, the heartbeat of this team. She does everything for us, um, and, and she makes everyone around her better. Um, but, yeah, she's definitely one who she, – she was coming off an ACL tear last year. Um, you know, so she she wasn't herself last year. Came in, but you know, played the twelve games, and you know, now this year really stepping up for us, and excited to see what she can become. But um, you know, we we when we recruit, obviously we're always recruiting the, the best players we can. But our, our motto has always been we're not looking to have someone come in here and average twenty five points a night. It's fun to score, you know, twenty and thirty here and there. But our goal has always been to have that balanced attack. And you know, you just listed off players: our point guard Miranda as our shooting guard, and Caitlin as our as our post player. And if we can if we can force teams to defend, you know, all three levels like that, I think we're gonna be we're gonna be tough. Um, yeah. And that, that's been what our our goal has been is not to be heavy in in one one area of the game to try to be as well rounded as we can. Yeah. No. It's it's not all that many teams that have a point guard, a shooting guard, and a and a post player who are kind of all equal in terms of scoring and, and as a threat. So that's that's always a little bit more challenging. As we mentioned, you got two more games non-conference before you'll take your holiday break, then get in the conference, but you've got one non-conference game against Ithaca snuck into that. How do you how do you make the, the adjustment? When do you start talking conference? Is that not until you get back from the holidays? Um, you know, we, we're obviously looking around the conference we, with the, the tournament that we had with U of R and RIT. Um, Naz was also in the gym playing, so we got to see them a little bit. And I think, we're, you know, we're always aware of, of who's playing who. Um, 
but we we try to, to to treat every game as one of those you know we're, we're focused on ourselves doesn't matter who the opponent is you know we're, we're showing up and doing what we do tweaking based on on who they are um you know i, I think everyone has the vampire game circle on their calendar and obviously the nazareth game is a big one um but really you know there we do have that sense of um, conference play, but with us being so young, it, it almost doesn't matter right now. It's, you know, it's just we have a game, this is who we're playing, this is what we're doing kind of kind of mindset. Um, I think once you get to play those conference opponents a second time, that's when you really start to get the feel of what it means to be a part of a conference and, you know, oops, losing lighting in here. <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, you know, so we... we We'll, we'll talk about it, and I think there's always that sense of understanding that conference play is, is more important to some to some extent, but um, it's definitely not something we harp on. Um, you know, maybe not till that you know, playoffs come around, and we, then we really start talking about what it means. I feel like I buried the lead a little bit. If anybody noticed some of the pictures we posted talking about having you on the show, you're pregnant and due very soon, which, by the way, congratulations. It's tough enough to be a coach. And even a wife or a coach and even a, well, I wasn't going to say mom because that, that's where it becomes even more insane. How do you balance, though, on top of that being pregnant now and, and having a baby and then hopefully coming back? I mean, that's got to be a juggling act to beat all juggling acts. Surround yourself with the best people that you can. Yeah. Um, it, it, this is, um, we are, we are, my husband and I have a 16 month old right now mm. that we're pacing around having fun with. Um, and he has made to <laughs> go by extremely fast, but yeah, any now we're going to welcome number two to the family. And, um, you know, I have the, the best assistant coach where uh, honestly, the last couple of days I've been, you know, wondering if I'm actually going to make it through this weekend. And so, you know, we've, I've passed everything off to her if I, I can't be at these games, but as of right now, it looks like I'll be there. Um, but it's, you know, I have a great assistant coach in, in Hannah Raybaum who um, she's ready at the drop of a dime to take over. And once um, once baby number two is here and we've spent some time with each other, my, my husband is is ready to go to, to, to take care of the two. And, you know, Fisher is an awesome place where you know, my, my son comes in here, you know, two or three days a week and I have lunch with him. Um, you know, just having him around the office and the players get to come around and, and spend some time with him. And every once in a while, he'll be in the gym with us. So it's just a great environment to have a family. Um, tons of tons of hands who are going to be here to help. Um, and it's, if anything, the being a mom thing has put some things in perspective of not only how I, you know, it, it helps, you know, I look at my players now sometimes from mom eyes, which I didn't have before. Fair, um, yeah. And, and at the same time, it's, um, you know, really put in perspective as competitive as I am. At the end of the day, I just want my players to feel loved. Um, you know, that's, I think, what I want my, my kid to feel when, when hopefully, you know, they're, they're, they're playing sports. Um, you know, that they just feel like they're cared about and that they're, they're pushed and all of that. Um, but it's, it's, it's been a crazy thing not being able to pick up cones and practice and stuff like that. Um, really looking forward to having, you know, the non-pregnant, body back <laughs> i'm sure uh i can't necessarily relate but i can understand um if anybody might recognize the name you you're synonymous with that area in terms of basketball women's basketball especially small college you had a couple years at hilbert prior to being here at st john fisher but more importantly you played at suny geneseo under scott hemmer first off apologies uh they had a planner scott uh that's a test to see if he's watching the show um, I loved every second of it. What did you say? I loved every second of yeah. it. Yeah. 
Scott is uh, Scott's great. He's off to another land. We don't talk about him very much on this show much anymore. Uh, he, he he's a trader in our book. He, he went off to a bigger division. But what was it like to play at Geneseo, and how much has that experience kind of crafted to who the coach you have become? Playing playing for Coach Hummer, you know, we uh, all jokes aside, um, that you know it was it was life changing in the sense that he showed me i mean what it's like to raise a family and be a coach um and at the same time to be able to coach at such a high level um in within division three and just just his organization and his competitiveness and, and how he ran a program um you know would, would if anything would be good 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 way to run a household um and it was it was him who you know i i went to him when the hilbert job opened asking if it was a smart thing to do and he connected me with some great people to figure out if this is what i wanted to do and then when the fisher job came along it was you know he was my first phone call of should i do this and and everything um you know playing playing for coach hammer i mean without being dramatic was life-changing because he showed that this is a path that i maybe wanted to try and then once i was in it it's you know you have the one of the best allies you, you could have in terms of being able to call him for advice or, or tips or things like that. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine, I say all the time, I'm thankful I didn't look at Fisher when I was looking at schools because I think I would have fallen in love with it, but I wouldn't have the experience of playing for Coach Hammer, and that's, you know, that, that's made all the difference for sure. Uh, catch 22. I don't know. Uh, maybe without. Maybe we could have found you another coach, I think. <laughs> I kid. Scott's a great guy, and I appreciate you uh, having fun with us there. Um, listen, great to have you on the show. Congratulations to you guys and, and the way everything started this season. Obviously, challenges ahead, but it wouldn't be a, a basketball season without those, so we look forward to seeing how the Cardinals do the rest of the way. As a tradition on the show, we always give the guest the, guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I mean, I could announce, you know, the, the baby's name and gender or something like that, but we'll, we'll save, save We didn't that. set up any pot, uh, fireworks or anything. No, we're not going to do a big gender reveal or anything. <laughs> it was fun, though. Um, keep that in mind. Maybe baby number three. Something there you like go. That. Call me. No, uh, I guess the, the last word I would say is, you know, thankful that we're back, that we're back playing a normal season, thankful that you're here, um, you know, promoting Division Three the way that you do in our, in our program, and I hope that... Um, no, we're not talking in 16 years when we make it back to the top 25. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing more often um, and that, you know, within our conference and within the East region that we can continue to, to make that push um, because it's, it's, it's a, a cool thing and, again, a testament to what our players have done. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't mind talking to you a little more often per the top 25. We'll talk other times, but per the top 25. It'd be nice if it was more often than once every 16 years. But it makes for a great headline. Definitely. It's put things in perspective how fast time is going by. Yeah, exactly. Hey, thanks again. Take care. Good luck uh, with baby number two. Uh, we'll look forward to the fireworks or the or the balloons or whatever you end up doing. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing the team back on the on the court and you getting back out there eventually as well. Thank you. I appreciate your time and all that you do for Division Three. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Take care. She is Melissa Kuberka. Um, listen, is St. John Fisher worth watching out of the East? Uh, they're going to get a bit of a break here in, in, in December and then hit the E8 conference. I think it's worth watching. It'll be fun to watch, too. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to sales men's basketball. They're also ranked 25. That's why 25 is a lucky number here on the show today. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops all after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State. 
won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoops. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for their help. Uh, you're going to start seeing more bells and whistles from their production truck software and Blue Frame Technology stuff on the show. One of them is the fact that we can simulcast to Facebook. Speaking of which, facebook.com slash is where we are if you're not watching here. David Kaplan says you always get points from me for referencing the shield on your show. <laughs> well, now that I know that, sir, we will reference the shield a few more, a few more times. Um, I think... I think that's the same show. I always forget titles sometimes that my family used the COVID to actually get caught up on. We had never watched it. We became Marvel fans and decided to get into that show. And well, we got into Marvel fully and fully. Both the daughter and wife enjoyed that along with myself and my son. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Of course, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Again, number 25 is our magic number today because St. John Fisher is ranked number 25. So is DeSales. I was looking for a men's team. And to be honest with you, I was looking for one that was going to be like, yeah, I want to do that now versus save that for later in the season. Well, when I saw that DeSales beat Stevens rather handily in their last game out, 
which is a conference game we should add in as well now that thing well it's been a dis- conference game for them a little bit the freedom has changed a little bit uh, i figured now nah, that's a no-brainer it's time to get the bulldogs on the show they had a pretty good season last year as well uh they went through the season played well looked good of course played later than most um that was kind of part and parcel for a lot of teams so yeah we wasted enough time we had to get them on the show so join us on the blue frame technology hoopsville hotline um and uh, looking good in his DeSales group, issued uh, gear is Scott Koval, the head coach of the DeSales Bulldogs. Sir, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, no, it's been a while. And I'm, I'm glad you took uh, you were able to join us. Nine and two last year during that kind of funky season, but the previous season, 17 and nine, not that far removed from 21 seasons. We're used to you guys having success. Um, I think I'm used to seeing you guys also get off to a good start, but I'm not used to a 64-44 win over what is usually a pretty good Stevens squad. you got to be pretty thrilled with how um, you guys are off to things here. I mean, also a big win over Moravian and a huge win over Scranton. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we're off to a really good start. We're 9-0, and, nine and oh, so what, you know, it's, it's been a terrific start of the season. Um, it's, it's not without its challenges, and we we, uh, we lost a couple of players' injuries, and as most teams usually do, and we've kind of responded well. Um, anytime you win on the road, we went on a conference uh, yesterday. Stevens is a really good team, has some very good players. Bobby Hurley does a great, great job with his team, coaching his team. Uh, you go on the road and you win the conference, you're happy. You know, that's, that's, that's a happy bus ride coming home. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I should say 9-0. and I think I may have had a graphic set 8-0. We fixed that. Um, yeah, that's the other thing that's interesting about this is not only are you undefeated, but you're not necessarily 100%. Um, if memory serves, one of your best players isn't available, hasn't been, maybe coming back soon, but you've had been dinged up in other places. You've got to be happy with not only that you're off to a good start, but you're getting players who may not have expected to be having bigger roles, for lack of a better description, are coming up big for you as well. Yeah, we, we can't change things. I mean, Timmy Edwards is a player you were alluding to. He was a conference player of the year last year. He averaged over 20 points a game, averaged over eight rebounds a game. Really, really efficient player. Um, you know, shot 58% from the floor. Uh, three days before we were going to start practice, he tore a ligament in his thumb mm. playing uh, intramural flag football at the sales. Well, you got to do what so, you got to do, sir. Oh, absolutely. He was part of our team. All our guys played. They played in the same team. So um, it wasn't exactly the phone call that I wanted to hear. But, you know, I mean, that's just part of, of college. So the yeah. kids played. Um, he got surgery a week later. He is now cleared to play. So he played just a few minutes last night. He's nowhere near ready at this point, sure. but he's a really good player. But what it forced us to do is we obviously planned before we started practice to have Tim run through th- run things through Tim, especially offensively. And we had to, we had to just pivot and and we had to pivot and go to Plan B, and uh, we did. And some of the guys who are who are now getting some more time have really played really played very very well. And it's good to see. Now the challenge is how can we, you know, get Tim back into playing? It's going to take him. I mean, he's been out for six weeks, so it's going to take him some time to, for him personally to get in into the the flow of things, and for our team to kind of mesh again. So it's going to be a challenge, but it's fun. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, and you only have one guy in double figures, though. Arguably, you've got four on the doorstep of being in double figures. So it's you really have 
if you if you want to fudge the numbers a little bit, five in the low double digits. Um, uh, Dat Lambert is at 10.4 points a game. You have Jordan Holmquist, 9.8. Elijah Elberly at 9.7. Mason Barnes at 9.3, 9.2 for Matt. Uh, I'm not going to say Matt's last name right, but Kacker. Kacker's. Cackleries. Thank you. Thank you. Cackleries. I like that, actually. Um, looks different than, than I expected or says sounds different. Anyway, that's the five guys. And by the way, Tim hasn't come in. So that's where I was kind of alluding to the fact that you've had all these other players step up. When Tim gets into the mix, it might be a little bit of a different team than maybe everyone was expecting because it's not going to have to be the Tim show. You've got all these other guys who've already found out how they can contribute and against, again, good teams like Scranton, Moravian, um, Stevens, and others. Yeah, it all depends on how we mesh together, right? Sure. I mean, for us, uh, we talk about every day about servant leadership and how we can serve each other. Uh, the biggest thing for us is sharing equals winning. I mean, we, we talk about sharing the ball, uh, helping each other, uh, you know, things that other coaches do also. But to us, that, that we live that way. And so for us to have, you know, multiple guys uh, averaging nine or ten points a game is a great sign. Now, Tim gives us a guy who late the game is going to get a bucket for us, and you have to have one of those guys. And you have to have a guy who, who you know is going to be really efficient on the offensive end, and he's that guy. So it's going to be up to us as coaches and, and then to our players to, to mesh together and, and kind of get this thing rolling. It's rolling now, but it's going to be in a different type of way once uh, we hit you know mid-January. Um, looking at you know other details about the guys I just mentioned, um, Barnes, by the way, those nine, you know, almost 10 points, it's, it's coming off the bench. Uh, interesting enough, he's leading the team in minutes. So he's one of those guys, and I, I almost want to start there and ask, is he one of those guys that seems to get uh, – triggered's the only right word I got uh, – uh, fired up or whatever it is off the bench better than starting? Because there are those players out there, and if he's leading the team in minutes, it makes me think that's the kind of guy you just know is best off the bench. He's a very good player. He's a kid who benefited from the COVID year. Uh, Matt Kakaris, who's our starting point guard, uh, the last time Matt played a full season, he was first-team all-conference. So he took last year off along with Mike Beeler, who's also a very good player for us. They were not in school last year. They worked last year. When they found out that we weren't going to play a full season, they didn't want to waste their last year. Uh, and I know that they got the COVID season back. But at our level, as you know, Dave, it's about it's, it's about affording and, and being able to pay for college. And so they took last year off. And so Mason Barnes was a person who, as a freshman, uh, we put a lot of, uh, you know, he started all last year and, and got a lot of experience. And, and we put a lot of things on his shoulders. And he's a very, very good player. Um, he just happens to come off the bench for us right now. He does lead our team in minutes. Uh, that's something that we, I mean, last, last night we played 11 guys in the first half. Um, no, I'm sorry, we played 12 guys in the first half. So we're not afraid to use our bench. We think that's one of the strengths uh, of our team, uh, especially this year. So we're looking forward to, to, to keep playing those guys. Mason is a very good player. He just doesn't happen to start for us right now. It's interesting. I'm reading through notes, getting from your SID, BJ, who's always terrific, um, you know, 
talks about Holmquist being red hot this season and making three pointers. You got uh, Kakarai's uh, former first team all conference player. You got Barnes coming off the bench as we mentioned. Beeler um, opted out for the COVID year and getting back in. He's a shooter for yourself. But the couple others that jumped out at me. One is Keba Mitchell, uh, kind of a five man off the bench. Another guy off the bench. But then Bill Will Bowen. You know, this is a guy who who played football and transferred from U Delaware. And, and has come to you yeah. and is playing basketball. So is that, you know, another example of just the quirks of COVID and whatever that you guys are dealing with? And sometimes yeah. you find a diamond in the rough. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, Cabe Mitchell, he's a starter for us. He started all last year. The only reason he's not starting is he had a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and the injuries. The missed four weeks before we, our first game. And so he really didn't play the first game, started coming back. He's now about, he's not 100% yet, but he's close. He played really well yesterday. Um, he's, I mean, he's a starter. He just doesn't happen to start for us right now. He started all last year. So um, he's getting back to 100%. But Will Bowen is, is a, yeah, exactly. He was at University of Delaware. Uh, he was a tight end. We recruited him out of high school. He was a very good high school basketball player. And we got a call last summer and he said, coach, I, I just don't want to play football anymore. My heart's not in it. I really want to play basketball. Are you interested? And we said, sure. And he's a great kid. He's been working really hard. I mean, he hasn't played basketball, at least competitive basketball for over two years. So he's just starting to get a feel for what's going on and, and just getting kind of his getting legs back and his timing. And he's had a couple of really good games for us. Um, he had 18 points and seven rebounds on Saturday in our conference game. So he's he's um, he's going to be a, a, good, a really good player for us. It's just going to take him some time right now. Conference is a little different. Um, Absolutely. You got, if I get this right, because I've been focused on it recently, Lie coming gets shifted off from the Commonwealth in. Acadia gets shifted off and comes on in. I can't remember who. Didn't somebody get shifted over? But I don't remember. East, but Eastern. Eastern, Eastern thank went, you. Eastern I knew, went to the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. I knew Eastern was, was mm -hmm. a con so. The conference gets in a little bit with Lyco coming in and it gets a little bit more deep than the freedom has been the last few years. How much of a challenge does that add? And also, by the way, two more conference games, if memory serves, too. So you have a few more challenges, right? Well, it certainly adds two more conference games. Eastern's having a great year this year. And so having them move over to Commonwealth, <laughs> you know, great timing. Like, I mean, they, they're they're good. They're, they're, yeah. They have a good program. They've had a good program for a number of years. I mean, pl probably flying under the radar a little bit, but they're sure. good. Um, so yeah, I mean, Arcadia has a good a good team. Like Homing is an excellent program. So it is. It's going to be a challenge for us. The two extra conference games is. I don't know if I like it or don't like it. Um, I like the fact that, that there's there's some really good teams in our conference. There's some unbelievable coaches in the conference. Yeah. That's fun. That's fun to compete. That's fun. Like I talked about Bobby Hurley yesterday. That's that's fun. I mean, it's fun as a coach to compete against those guys. Um, but when you have less conference games, you can then have more flexibility, flexibility with your non-conference schedule which allows you to, to make some good trips or play some good teams, or there's some teams that you just can't play right now simply because you only have 25 games and you have 16 conference games. So uh, it, there's a give and take to having uh, 16 conference games. Obviously in the conference already, you've got wins over Wilkes and Arcadia and Stevens, as we mentioned, you got Misericordia coming up and non-conference, a couple more games, Muhlenberg, Newman in a tournament at your place, you'll have another team to be determined. Then you get back into the grind. Of that Mac, um, would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, pictures I received today from a source 
Okay, it was your it was your SID, BJ. Um, normally, I don't see backboards break anymore because they have this great technology that keeps them from breaking. But you guys somehow broke a. Well, Dave, I was just demonstrating to the players how to take it strong to the basket. And I don't know what to tell you. It must be the steroids I've been taking. I don't know. Um, but, no, it was, it was really interesting. We were actually were playing Scranton the next day. It was Friday. Uh, played Scranton Saturday. So we just started practice. I mean, we were simply doing layups, starting practice. And layups. And Cabe Mitchell dunked it and came down with the rim. And I, I was standing there in shock. And my first thought was, well, first of all, no one got hurt, which is great. You know, yes. and so that's fun. And the kids were just in silent. And I, I said, well, like, that's something you don't see a whole lot. And he wasn't even trying. It wasn't like he was trying to dunk it hard. He just obviously dunked it in a, in what, in a manner or the, there was a flaw in the backboard. I don't know. But it busted. And so it was great for my players because all they did was shoot at the other end for the next 30 minutes. And I was making phone calls trying to figure out how we're going to play this game. I had to call uh, Carl up at Scranton and try to figure out what Carl, we're going to do. Carl, you're not going to believe this. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> and so we, we eventually actually played at Moravian. Uh, I know the Moravian AD, Mary Beth Burke, very well. We've been friends for a long, long time. She's obviously the women's coach there also. Yep. And she said, Scott, look at where our gym's open. They were very kind to allow us to go over and play. So we played Scranton at Moravian um, <laughs> as as we were trying to get the backboard fixed. But it, it, you just don't see that a lot. And, um, you know, it's just something that happened. And it was – and the, our guys, again, were standing there in shock. They were just kind of looking at each other. I can't believe this just happened. Yeah. So as AD, I'm saying, I can't believe this just happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. as ADN coach, you bring up one of the questions I want to ask. We could go in depth, but I'm more curious. We've talked about the AD coaching kind of battle, the time that it requires. You mentioned Mary Beth Spurk at Moravian. She's on one of those others. Juniata, there's a bunch in your area that are kind of the split role. I'm curious, though, with COVID, how much more difficult did it get to be both AD and coach trying to balance everything when there is so much on the table? It, it, it was a lot last year, and and I felt so bad for the for the sports that didn't have seasons. I, I mean, it, it, that's really really difficult when you gotta, you know, speak to the coach and say, look, it it's not gonna happen. I mean, yeah. that's really difficult as an athletic director, and and as a coach myself, I know what they're going through. I mean, you put all that time in preparing, recruiting, getting your team ready, and then oh by the way sorry, there's no volleyball season this year or there's no soccer season. You know, that's, that's really, really difficult. Um, and, and it was a lot of time. But I will say within the MAC, uh, I think we worked really well together as athletic directors. We came up with a plan. The presidents were on board. So whatever we could do and whatever we could provide for the athletes, we did. And it wasn't enough. You know, it's usually never enough, but it was something. And and I'm glad we did. I'm glad we worked it out as a conference. Uh, we got a little bit of a basketball season in. We did play some fall sports in the spring last year to give them some sort of competition. Again, not enough, but at least it was something. And we had a pretty, pretty full uh, spring season last year. So it was a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, you owe it to the student athletes to to do it. And 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 it's it's their time and you want them to be able to compete as best they can and as many times as they can. And I'm really, really happy the way the MAC came together and, and worked together.
Well, and as AD, you've got a few extra calls you or uh, quicker calls you can make to fix broken backboards and and scheduled that was, games. That was tough. That was tough. But we, and and you know, and we are lucky it happened again on Friday. If that happened during you know layup lines on Saturday yeah. before the game, we don't play. Um, but it happened Friday, and again, Moravian was was kind enough to to let us use their court. Um, you know, Scranton obviously is in the landmark. They play Moravian, so they're familiar with Moravian. That wasn't a problem. And Carl's such a good guy. And he's like, hey, let's just go play. So it worked out well. Well, and, and real quick, uh, we should also point out that that's why a lot of conferences don't allow the dunking in pregame. Including MAC. Yeah. Yeah, right. actually, I meant it was in my head. <laughs> I just right. didn't get it out. Right, including the MAC. Right. Yeah, hey. and it, it, happened, it, it happened in a conference game a couple of years ago. And you had to postpone the game and so forth. So, I remember. Um, but it's just one of those freakish things. And, uh, you know, it's again, Cable Mitchell is a, is a terrific young man. He's a very good player. Uh, he's one of the top, you know, probably being the top five nationally in block shots. He's not Daryl Dawkins. Like he's, he's, he does, he doesn't weigh, he, he probably weighs 190 pounds. Like he's not like a, a 270 pound guy ripping down the rim. It's not the way, way it happened, but it was kind of looking back on it. You know, you smile and laugh and he's like, Oh man, that's, it's, that's, that's, that's some great story to have. Yeah. There, when it actually happened, not so oh, much. boy, no, I ran and just started making phone calls. How can we possibly work yeah. this out? So I, uh, I appreciate the, the sharing of the story. Good stuff. Um, I'm just going to keep that in mind if I'm ever back at the gym. I'm just going to I'm going to inspect the backboards a little closer. Just just saying. I, just, I don't if know. You come to the, if you come to the sales, don't hang on our rims. That's yeah, all that's exactly it. Yeah, maybe you're going to maybe it's a way to psych out other teams. Hey, <laughs> sir, appreciate the time. As always, great chatting with you. Uh, thanks for it. Uh, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I mean, I, I and I appreciate you having me. And and uh, the sales, in my mind, is such a special place. It's my 29th year at the sales, my 22nd year as as athletic director. So um, I really think it's a special place. And, and we've got something really special going on right now with our team. And we hope to continue doing it. But I appreciate you having me. And, and uh, it's going to be a great season. Yeah, looking forward to hearing more and keeping track of you guys. Good luck in the Mac Freedom, and we'll look forward to seeing you in the in the new Region 4 as well. Uh, take care of yourselves. Have good holidays, and we'll talk soon. You too, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Scott Koval. Apparently, I just noticed graphics said it was Melissa because I clicked on the wrong graphic midway through the interview. My bad. We knew it was Scott. He was in there earlier. We got it right. If you got any good questions for us, uh, Tweet us, email us, whatever. We're going to take a quick break. We're running a little bit behind. Got a great interview with a writer who went in-depth about Yeshiva to the point that even, even I had to go back and read it three or four more times. That's how much information I had learned. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. We'll talk to Gary Belsky coming up about what he learned about the Maccabees that uh, maybe can give us appreciation of what they're doing as the number one team in the country. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us, it's on all of us, and it's time to act now. 
It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Actually, we're we're back. For, I just realized I'm back from break. How about that? I haven't been talking, but we were chit-chatting there with our next guest, who was so patient to wait for us. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, still learning the uh, new audio board we got here. Really like it. You can you can do a little, <laughs> little laughter, a little applause. Probably run a lot of those whenever I feel like juicing up the ratings. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also uh, join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Double check in there. We had a few people tuned in there, and it's not always the most popular, but we appreciate you, those who are there. Of course, if you listen to the podcast on demand, thanks for tuning in. Several of you have mentioned to us you like the podcast, so we keep that up as well. Uh, you can also email us, hoopsil at d3sports.com. Of course, that all information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. All right, so Yeshiva men's basketball, number one team in all the land, and the for the now two weeks, d3hoops.com, top 25. Uh, a team that certainly we've been talking about on this show for several years, and man, that's the other part about the 1920 uh, basketball season uh, and the tournament coming up um, short. It was just how great Yeshiva was doing. But joining us now to talk about it, because he did an incredible in-depth article about it, about Yeshiva and who they are and what they mean, really, in a lot of ways, is uh, Gary Belsky. He wrote it for ESPN.com. We'll put a link on it here in a minute. But, Gary, thanks for joining us here on the show. It was one of those articles that I was reading, and I'm like, hold on, i got to stop. Because a lot of D3 articles, I'll start scanning. 
Because it's like, all right, what are they going to get wrong that's going to tick me off? Or what are we going to glaze over? Or we're going to do, oh, it's a small D3 school. You went in depth about the Maccabees and about Yeshiva as an institution and the school. I even was learning stuff in that article. I had to stop and reread several times to grasp it. That almost felt like a research project. Well, first of all, I need to correct you on something you said earlier. It's not the 1920 basketball season yeah, I, in which they didn't win, um, <laughs> in which they didn't play in a tournament. No, that was a long time ago. Although, by the way, not for nothing, uh, the, the probably, arguably, the best team in college basketball in the 1920s was that St. John Wonder Five, and four of the five of them were Jews. Oh yes, I have heard that. I forgot yeah, about I, that. I, well, I, I wanted to get into that, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But, it was a research project. I probably spent, you know, <laughs> I have another job. I, I write books and I run a content studio. Um, I wrote a book, by the way, your listeners might be interested in called On the Origins of Sports. It was a New York Times bestseller. It's about we found the original rules for 20 different major global sports. Oh, fascinating. And we kind of annotated those original rules and told the story of the sport up to those original rules, meaning the rules that made them modern. Kind wow. Wow. Obviously, with basketball, we just did Naismith's original 12 rules. Sure. But with football, we did the rules in which the forward pass was introduced. Oh, in cool. You know. But anyway, the, it's called On the Origins of Sports. I think your readers, your listeners, sorry, would, would like it. But yeah, it was about a four-month project. Um, you know, not straight. Obviously, I was doing other work. And I went to L.A. and I spent time with their best player and his family. I talked to a million and a half people. There are things I miss for sure, you know, that I still, you know, I'm still finding out because that's the nature of journalism and, you know, it's a snapshot of history, but it was really fun. I was, you know, I had a very specific reason. I'm Jewish, but I don't follow yeshiva sports, but I had a very specific reason for wanting to write the story. Uh, and I knew some of the things I wanted to explore when I pitched the story to ESPN. And luckily the editor there, the guy who runs long-form storytelling at ESPN.com, he said, you know, they don't usually write long 5,600-word stories on D3 basketball programs. And he said, make sure you take some walks. And by that he meant, you know, explore the things that you're talking about or that you're thinking about that might be interesting independent of just the nature of their program. So when I got, you give a writer, you tell a writer to take some walks in a story. <laughs> Uh, and uh, he he better he or she or they better turn in their badge if they don't take some walks. So I took some walks. You did. You took a lot yeah, of walks. Kind of, the reason I wanted to write the story originally was, you know, in March and April, I think right when some an earlier milestone in the winning streak happened, there was a lot of attention in the national news media um, for uh, you know about Yeshiva and about Ryan Terrell, their best player. Although you could make an argument there's a couple ways to look at their best player i think ryan's their best player but there's another guy on the team who in a different way makes a good you can make a good case for him being an extraordinary player and not the best player in terms of prospects going forward but maybe the best player on a d3 team we'll get to that in a second and i love ryan and and i'm i'm being a little bit controversial just, just because <laughs> you're but, <a> writer. <laughs> um, but um when i noticed all this attention you know all the attention had like a little bit of uh, can you believe these Jewish basketball players are doing so well? And I was just, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up with 
you know, knowing when I watched the Beverly Hillbillies that Jethro's father was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world and he was Jewish. And I knew about Hank Greenberg and Sandy Koufax. And I knew about Mark Spitz and I knew about all sorts. You know, I could just keep going on and naming Jews who are good at sweating professionally. And I was just amazed that in 2021, these media outlets and these authors, sometimes the stories, they were Jewish, sometimes they were not. They were kind of like, can you believe this? And I was like, what's so hard to believe? And so I... I was interested not in proving that Jews are good athletes at the professional level, which they, which they have been since the modern era began in the 1890s. There's a lot of professionals. Yeah, but I wasn't that interested in making the case for Jews as great athletes. That, that was easy to make. I was more interested in exploring. I was like, why is that? Why is it that people are always surprised by that? Nobody's surprised you know, if, a, um, if, 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 if a Protestant is good at sports or a... Southern Baptist is good at sports. And so I wanted to understand that. That's what sort of made me pitch the story. And then I was interested, you know, I have this whole side career. Why would you know? You don't never heard of me before this. I have an, an entire side business. Uh, and I, I, I write a lot about this. I wrote another book that, that was a bestseller a long time ago and still continues to, to be read about behavioral economics, which is the psychology of decision making. And so I was interested in the psychology of streaks, like what goes through, why streaks happen, and team streaks. I mean, you know, there's, and I knew randomness plays a huge factor in it. Sure. But it probably plays less of a factor in team streaks. And so I wanted to understand the psychology of team streaks. I wanted to find out what people thought about team streaks. And, you know, and I, I just, so there was a lot to explore and I got permission. So it felt like a research project. I hope it felt like an entertaining research project. No, it, it absolutely was. I, I did actually like the fact that you dove into the, I mean, you didn't broadside the barn. I mean, first off, in Division Three, we always get the, oh, look at the, the happy-go-lucky teams. Um, yeah. And that's usually how we get that attention. And then to add on to that, as you said, it was this, oh, my gosh, it's a Jewish team doing well, which, you know. As you said, there's plenty of Jewish athletes out there. And I love that you went into that angle of the of the article and said, listen, there is the Kofaxes of the world. I mean, we can go through professional sports now and find a litany of tremendously good Jewish athletes. But I am kind of curious when you did the article and you dove into the Maccabees, there is a difference with Yeshiva. There is a difference. You don't hear about uh, who's I forgetting the guy Berkman for right for Houston? He's not necessarily necessarily taking the Sabbath off. He's playing oh, yeah. every single game. You don't hear about other guys who take that time off. Now, listen, I'm from Baltimore. I, I'm in Baltimore area. I worked during the Jewish Jordan days. Yeah, that I, I look back with a little bit of embarrassment at that. That was an angle that we certainly focused on. He isn't playing during the Sabbath. I think that part of it I found fascinating, and and I and it seemed like that might have been the biggest difference with this team is you have that side of it. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, as the coach and as the university would say, if they were listening, they're playing right now. But yeah, luckily. <laughs> um, the uh, as the coach would say, all props to the NCAA and to the Skyline Division because they accommodate their schedule. For yes. People who don't know. There's a lot that Jews can't do on the Sabbath that have to do with sort of modern conveniences. Mm-hmm. I could go into it and explain it, but basically it's hard for them to drive. They can't really do stuff that they work. They can't do stuff that's really related to, to actual, like the way they make their money. 
unless they're doctors or life's, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, frontline workers or people's lives depend on it. And so they can't really, they can't play games on Friday nights or Saturday afternoons. And so, and that was an issue for a long time in terms of scheduling, you know, but the, and it still is an issue sometimes in high school sports, as as you know, but the NCAA does a very good job of accommodating their scheduling needs. It's not that hard, by the way, they'll often play Friday games at, you know, noon or two o'clock. Right. And so, and so do the teams that they play, they play for, but yeah, they, they have some limitations. There's also just the limitations of, you know, they have a dual curriculum at that place. That's pretty intense. They're basically carrying full-time academic load in secular studies and a full-time academic load in religious studies. And I can tell you as somebody who, took an academic load in religious studies from age five to age uh, 15. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, now, it's a muscle, your brain. So the fact that you are, I found college relatively easy. I didn't do that well in college, but I did pretty well. And I found it relatively easy because it was like, well, at least I'm not having to do everything, you know, <laughs> the second set of classes in Hebrew and sure. Aramaic. But um, so they have they just have a big schedule and they also like, you know, there's prayer services that they have to account for. And so, the, you know, their practices, all their practices, basically, or most of their practices are, are super early in the morning before they have to go to to morning minion. Right. So. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they, they are different and they're different because, you know, they have a lot of Israelis on the not a lot, but they have Israelis on the team. Yep. So these, you know, Kevin Spann, who's a very interesting guy, he's he's a. Uh, he was a coach at LIJ, uh, uh, no, uh, Long Island University in Brooklyn, I think. Yeah. Right? He uh, St. Joseph's Long Island, right? St. Joseph's Long Island. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're right. You, you know this, the, the division way better than me. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Sadly. He, um, <laughs> you, know, you know basketball way better than me, too. He, um, he, he was a fan of the team, and, but more, more importantly, a close observer of the team. And one of the things he said was, you know, look, they're just more mature, partially because they're they have these other obligations, but also some of them are older, you know, a lot of time before they go to college, they take a gap year after high school and they go study in a yeshiva in Israel just to do the Hebrew studies. Some of them are Israelis. And so they do army service. Yep. So they come at 21 to start college. Like, you know, there's nothing that'll teach you discipline and listening to a coach than, than time in the army. Right. Fair. So, they have a, they have some advantages by uh, virtue of the nature of their religious observance and what it how it manifests or what it means, even if they're not religious. Right. The Israelis may not be religious, but again, they're you know, they're 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 often coming from having done not always, but having done army service. And Steinmetz is kind of a, a bit of a genius. Right. Because there's a there's a way to look at this that's totally different, which is. Of course, you know, he had a theory about, well, Jewish high school basketball has gotten good enough over the past 25 years. Yep. They're producing D1 players, yep. Orthodox players, who are kind of, you know, having to figure out, like Tamir Goodman, who yes. knows what would have happened with Tamir Goodman if he would have played for Yeshiva, right? Right? But oh, I've thought about that for years. Right. These players are having, you know, they're not maximizing their basketball potential when they go to Harvard or when they go to Cornell or when exactly. they go to, you know, Sacramento State. So he's like, maybe I can convince him to come here. So essentially what he's doing, in, you know, one way to look at this cynically is dominating Div- Division Three with Division One players. And, you know, not all of them, by the way. There's probably about four or five guys on Yeshiva's current No, but absolutely. That could play D1. But I don't know if there's many other. There are sometimes D1 players that end up playing D3. As oh, absolutely. Know. And we I don't see think it there's everywhere. four or five on a team. No, we, we don't tend to have that kind of, of uh, density. 
Yeah. But we definitely have teams that have players who easily could have been a mid-major, maybe sit on the bench, maybe, high, you know, Duncan Robinson, yeah. listen, played at Williams and then ended up yeah. at Michigan. We know that the D1 is around in D3, but as you said, right, you don't normally get four or five of them, and that's definitely where it's different. And you're right. I thought when Elliot did that, we talked to him years ago, I remember him saying, okay, great. I mean, good luck to you. I, I don't see how you're going to convince you know, even just a, a Jewish normal player to come to you versus anywhere else when you, as you point out, you've got all the other studies in there. I'm, I'm amazed by how successful he's been. And now we, I feel we're at that crossroads where he's, he's gotten these guys in. Now it's easier to convince the others. Well, that was his plan, right? If he could get, he, he had a couple of, the, they credit a couple of players that are, that are no longer there. Um, yep. Uh, and and I don't know them as well because I I didn't you know wasn't yeah sure directly. a guy named um, uh, Donnie Katz and Aton uh, or not Aton Halpert I think Aton's playing for the team now is his brother who's now playing in Israel and those guys actually who were very good players and good enough to play to play you know professional ball they did a lot of recruiting for him so his theory was if I can get those guys to help me get some good guys. We can start playing pretty seriously and start competing, and then that'll maybe help me get some guys on the borderline. And then, you know, and he said, like, and then once in a while you get lucky and you get a generational talent, right? And well, Ryan Terrell is a generational talent, oh. probably the best, probably the best player on the team. Although, again, I could, I could make a case that I could make a case that there's there's a kid on that team. He's not a kid. He's 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 22, still. His birthday's in December. He's 22. He's got a full time job. He's a grad student. And he's been married two years. Yeah. Tell me, you know, tell me, I mean, you know, basically outside of Brigham Young, you're not going to find many people with that kind of, with that kind of resume. Nope. And he is basically almost averaging a double-double. He's almost averaging, I don't even, I didn't even check the stats, but I've been just following them. He's like, you know, he gets eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 rebounds a game, eight, nine, 10, 11 assists. Like the guy is, you know, he's averaged six assists for his, for his career, but this year he's averaging more, I think. And you, he's a machine. Like they'd still be winning most of their games because of him, even if even if they had an an average best yeah. shooting, you know, an average shooting guard. Because they're winning, by the way, by thirty and forty points. Right now, nine point two points, ten point four uh, rebounds, assist numbers is roughly eight assists a game, eighty six yeah. in and eleven games. To, you know, yeah, you're talking about Gabriel Lifer. I mean, he might, you know, I don't know, maybe he could play in Israel, maybe not. He's he doesn't have a lot of foot speed, as he'll be the first no. to um, So he's probably topped out. You know, we all top out at certain places. I, I topped out in seventh grade. I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed to say. But there's a case. He's not the best player on that team, but he's, there's a case to be made that he's the most valuable player on that team. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, our friend Bob Quillman, I think, has a small crush on Lifer. He wants to get his autograph uh, at yeah. some point. Um, but meanwhile, that, meanwhile, you can have that debate. And uh, and the other guy, you know, is getting serious looks. And at this point, by the way, they're, they're continuing this season. Serious looks from NBA scouts who at least probably will want him to come to camps. So that's, right. a, that's a pretty good Division Three team where you have one guy who's like, you're not even sure whether or not he might be the most valuable player. And the other guy might end up with, a, you know, in the G League, probably. If fair. That, you know, best case scenario. No, so fair. So that's a pretty good dynamic. You by the way, Cats. If Elliot wasn't doing this well, we'd have to fire him. <laughs> By the way, Cats, if I if I remember correctly, if it's the right one, I don't want to pretend there might have been one beforehand that I've lost track of. It is a common, it is a common, it is the Smith. 
Right. And that's why I'm a little worried because I can't remember the name of the one who just graduated in 2020. I think that might be him. Okay, so he, his father, is Harold Katz, who coached Tamir Goodman. So I don't know that I don't know if that's you know you you would know, but he's. Uh, do you remember what he looked like? He's a bit of a he has a Charles Barkley. Yeah, um, that's him. That's him. Okay. Yeah, he's the inside guy. How, that, come His on, that, dad, Coach Tamir Goodman. What'd you say? That's pretty diplomatic to describe him that way. Yeah, I no, I liked it. It's better than I would have come up with. Yeah. I liked it. Um, He's kind of built like you and me. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Perfectly. (laughs) Yes. Not when I played, but certainly nowadays. Um, I'm kind of curious. First off, I never really, I understood the impetus to do the story. Obviously, the background of being Jewish. And as you said, the whole idea of, well, of course, you know, Jewish players are, are good athletes. It's just surprising maybe to see one full team of them. I am curious, though, how did you... How did you get in touch with the yeshiva, and, and were they game? I, I assume they were game. They're always game. But that doesn't – as you said, you kind of went into it in depth. That meant they needed to give some time away. Well, they're – you know, they're, they're a little – I mean, they're, they, they were um, – Elliot – I mean, I, I went through channels. Uh, <laughs> so, so Elliot were, doesn't know, usually have channels. <laughs> but I was uh, – you know, I went to the, I, I reached out to the, you know, I could have just gone to Elliot. He's, uh, he's available enough and I can, I could, you know, sure. a good reporter so I could find my way to him. But I first went to the SID and, you know, I said, I wanted to talk to everybody. That was for a couple of reasons. And I'm glad I did the, the main, re- you know, what part of me, I just, you know, I wasn't in a hurry and I wanted to under, I knew I was going to want to talk to a lot of different people there because I want to understand the program independent of understanding the, the, you know, the, the team. But I was also I also knew correctly that a school like YU, unfortunately, these days is going to be a little bit paranoid because, yeah. you know, as you know, there's been a lot of increased anti-Semitism, increased sure. anti-Asian. But, you know, if there's anti-something going on, if there's anti-Asian bias going on, if there's anti-trans bias going on, if there's anti-black bias going on, you can be damn sure there's always anti-Semitism going on. Right. Agreed. So I knew that. So, you know, and they had had some uh, yeshiva had had its own issues with like how they were handling gay yes. students and trans students. And so I n- suspect that they might be a little bit suspicious. Like, why is ESPN looking at us? Yeah, right? fair. They might have been a little bit. So I just wanted to make sure that they were, that they knew that I was being super above board and, you know, that I, and I was being completely transparent about what I was interested in writing about. And the, the, the administrative folks, they were okay. They got it. They were like, sure. And I didn't think they understood the kind, the you know, the length of the story I was going to do, right? I think they thought I was just going to do like a conventional profile, <laughs> right. six paragraphs. Coach, <laughs> but the coach, but Elliot really got it pretty quickly. I think he's he and I just you know started talking about a lot of different things that made him realize that I was interested in a lot of aspects of the game. And plus, I was so annoying. Like I was, you know, I interviewed him twice. I went to a practice. I went out to see his star player, and I texted him. Like we were high school boyfriend, <laughs> so, um, so or high school, you know, dating, whatever that is. Um, and so, you know, he he was he was very cooperative, and and you know, they're they're really smart. So they, I was asking a lot of, I think, curious questions, and questions that they hadn't been asked before, and so that just made them. I'm, it sounds like I'm bragging. I don't mean that. I just no, mean no, I, no. I was I was going on side. I was asking them about some of the stuff I was talking about, and so that just made them go like, "What's this guy up to?" Uh, and for whatever reason, they trusted that I was not up to no good. 
Yeah. Um, and again, like, you know, it helps to come in with those big fat four letters, ESPN. Right. right? Like, you know, you can say what you want about ESPN losing cable subscribers or not being what it once was. But I worked at ESPN. It was a, at, at one time. It was the brand in sports then. It still, still the brand is. In now. Yeah. Um, and so that just helps a lot. And then at some point you start hearing from photo editors and, you know, you mean, you, so you start going like, oh, this thing is actually happening. And what's weird is, right, because like I probably made the first call four months before the story came out or five months oh, before okay. the story came out. And so there's a, I, you know, I teach journalism sometimes at NYU and I always tell people like there's an advantage to slow developing stories because every time you talk to somebody, the next time you talk to them as a journalist, you know, people are somewhat distrustful of journalists. Some people are very distrustful, even the ones who, who like, who believe in the fourth estate as yeah. they should, as being yeah. a pillar of democracy, they can be a little bit skeptical. Sure. So the funny thing happens is every time you talk to, a, every time I talk to all these people, the next time they talk to me, nothing bad had happened. Now, nothing bad had happened because I hadn't written my story. Fair. But the human brain works in a particular way in which they go like, oh, that Belsky guy, he's calling me again. Every time I call him, nothing bad happens. So, I, you know, so people keep being more and more honest. Well, that's and they the got the of- number one ranking after the article came out. So that's all great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you think I can get some credit for that? I'm saying you're in good. I think, I think maybe if they win a championship, you get a ring. Oh, my God. And why not? That literally would be my uh, my closest shot to any kind of championship. Well, it's <laughs> actually not true. I once, my the first sports story I ever wrote professionally, um, I wrote when I was at Money Magazine, but I wrote it for another magazine in the building, the Time and Life building. You may have heard of it. It's called Sports Illustrated. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. And I wrote a story for Sports Illustrated about the world checkers champion, who oh. at the time had the longest championship tenure of anybody in any sports. He was the best checkers player in the world for 40 years. Wow. And at one point, when I was reporting the story, I went down, he was a professor of combinatorial mathematics at, he had to have a full-time job. Uh, professional checkers doesn't play No, it doesn't pay. <laughs> he was a professor of combinatorial mathematics at the university, at Florida A&M in Tallahassee. And I oh, went down there and I, spent, and I spent a weekend with him. And at one, by the way, tell me if this is boring, but it's, for me, it was fascinating. We, I spent a weekend with him, and at one point he goes, would you like to play? And I was like, sure. You know, checkers is funny because, so the way the complica- the way checkers works is it's complicated. There are 500 million, million possible outcomes to a game. Huh. Uh, chess is double that. Right. And Go, the Chinese game, yeah. is six times as complicated as checkers. But checkers is still complicated, but checkers is funny wow. because chess, almost nobody in the – statistically almost nobody knows how to play but it's got a very robust professional level checkers everybody can kind of play checkers but there's only a few hundred or a few thousand people yeah fair but anyway so i played him a game and the way this is great the, the way um the way tournament checkers works is if i get to go first right okay it's it's such a lucky position to be in that the way if i get to go first i pick a card and on the card, it has a random move for you that, that I have to do a random move. Then you have to do your second random move. And then it's my move to do what I want. Oh, interesting. That's the way, that's the way they, at least back then, that's the way they equalize the fact that it's such an advantage to go first. So you're making a move that you don't want to make. I make a move that I may or may not want to make. And then you again. And then I have to start playing. Oh, so that's anyway, kind of so cool. So we start playing. Right? That's why I thought you'd like that. It's just a cool fact. Yeah. So we started playing, and after about four moves, he goes, 
huh? And I was like, remember, he's the best checkers player in the world. And I was like, what does huh mean? Yeah. And he goes, so far, you've played this perfectly. And I was like, hello. Just quit <laughs> and now. Then like, and then like two moves later, he goes, uh. And I was like, It's hello? over. He goes, yeah, that was a mistake. I was like, okay. He goes, if you play it perfectly from now on, I'm going to beat you in seven moves. Wow. And I was like, okay. By the way, talk about a psych out. I think he beat me in like three moves. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, it's already, I have no idea if he was lying or not. But no, but it felt good for a while. To, that was the closest I came to global sports. Royalty. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What? Before I let you go, what was... Maybe oh, the, sorry, I went on and on about it. It's checkers. okay. I love it. I, I could talk to you forever about these kinds of things. Um, what What was the most surprising thing maybe you learned about the team um, that that you just didn't know going in after all your research or just came out of nowhere, whatever? Was there anything that just surprised you that you just didn't didn't know? Well, there were two things. Um, I you know, I knew a little bit about the motion out offense, but not very much. I didn't understand. First of all, they're probably playing it at the highest level anybody's playing in the world right now. Right? I've heard uh, that from a few people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I, I didn't understand the extent to which they don't have plays. So, mm. I mean, they, they really don't. They have yeah. a couple of situations where they kind of have a little bit of something set up, but for the most part, he's coaching principles and requiring them to think based, you know, basically an algorithm, right? Yeah. He's giving them an algorithm that is, you know, or several algorithms that, so that was just shocking to me. That's on the, that's on the kind of X's and O's level. And on the personal level, uh, Ofek Reef, who's another one of their D1 junkyard dogs. Yeah. He would be, a, he might be a guy that would be the, get, be getting the most minutes in his freshman year at some mid mar you know, mid, mid major school because he's just a bulldog. Um, and he's got mad hops, but he's, he's got a lot of tattoos and, you know, yeah. uh, in Judaism, kind of forbidden. Not, right. They're, they're forbidden. And, uh, you know, he's not Orthodox. He, he's respectful and takes the classes, et cetera. And, you know, they're, they're navigating all of that very well. Like it's hard to explain at BYU. There's not a lot of, I mean, I'm sure they have a sense that they have a more of an honor code than maybe they do at, um, the U. Sure. I don't even know. I don't want to besmirch. But the fact of the matter is, there's you don't have to be Mormon to play at BYU, you know, for BYU's teams. And, you know, it's not a religious locker room per se. Right. And, Agreed. Or, or even a, and YU's is to some yeah. to a greater or lesser extent. And the fact that they're mixing the, you know, religious and observant and non observant Jews. Inside the religion, that's a little bit more of, of a of a of an accomplishment than I think you might realize from the outside. Because the outside, everybody's like, "Well, whatever, they're Jews." Sure. But inside, there's a lot of differences, and those guys, you know, I mean, winning winning helps a lot. And one of the things that helps a lot is those guys, and they they'd be like this if they were losing. They're just very good at navigating those differences, which I no, find interesting. I can, that's fascinating. I appreciate that. Are is this going to turn into a bigger project? Maybe I get the sense it know. could. I probably could. I don't know. You know, I usually kind of move on to from one thing to another. But I wanted to ask you a question, if you don't mind. One sure. Of the things I, I couldn't quite get purchase on, so I didn't hit it. I mentioned it, but I didn't hit it hard. But I just thought this was extraordinary, which was, um, I mean, Elliot Steinmetz, the coach, is a full-time commercial real estate lawyer. And I was thinking, like, 
and I asked the research people that he, I asked Brian Morehouse, you know, as you know, I, yeah. I, was, I, I talked to the coach of the Hope Women. Yeah, but are, great combo, I'm sure. Um, and he was great and so smart and so yeah. supportive of the yeshiva and the yeshiva. I connected them. The yeshiva coach was so supportive of him. So I, I made oh, a, that's cool. I, I put the two of them together. But, um, you know, he was like, well, I, I, I have, I'm not a full-time basketball coach. He goes, but my other job is running the stadium or the arena right. where we play, right? So I couldn't tell. How common is it for there to be part-time Division three coaches where their other job isn't on the university campus? It's certainly <laughs> not common. It right? So was, that's pretty extraordinary, right, that he's doing that. That's really I, would say I, it, I would say it's more common than people – appreciate at the division three level, but you know, we're 20 years removed from when it was far more common. It was far more, you know, you knew that was how they did it or they coached multiple teams to be a full-time person. Like we're not that far yeah. removed in my life from seeing coach who coached field hockey and lacrosse or coached right. basketball and something else. Yes. Right. A lot of campuses do what hope does and where you're a basketball coach and you have another responsibility and you might even be a professor part-time to make the full-time work. But in, in terms of Elliot, it's not as common as it used to be. It's still around, but more and more institutions realize you need a full-time coach. Right. And, and, and if you want even a smidgen of success, and that means enrollment and intention and all that stuff, it's, it's becoming less and less popular. It's, it's a bit more common for some of the small schools in that area, in New York, up in New England, some of the really yeah. smaller schools. Uh, yeah. that don't get a lot of attention because they're not that good at programs, they have those situations. But the big ones, like a Hope, like um, Illinois Wesleyan, who they'll play, Yeshiva will play later this year. No, it's they're full-time. Um, and so for what Elliot's doing, no, that's, for especially for the program he has, that's a rarity. Right. That's Did really rare. If, if he might be the only one. Actually, he might be the only one in the top 25. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And can yeah. I ask you a question? I'm a, I'm a media person, obviously, and I have a consulting firm, and I'm just sort of interested, and in, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, how, how did you get into this? How did you end up doing this? Because you seem to have quite the operation, and so I'm curious, <laughs> how, is it okay if I ask you? I'm, sure, it's I'm fine. sure some of your listeners know, but others may not. Yeah, our viewers certainly know the story um, to some degree. We, I, uh, I went to a Division three school. I was a student athlete in soccer. Uh, I became a basketball practice player for the women's team at my alma mater, which is Goucher College, north of Baltimore. Um, I uh, got involved in the sports information department. I also became their public public address announcer. And from that, I ended up doing an internship for the ABC affiliate in Baltimore, fell in love with producing, became a full-time producer there, both in sports, and then went to the dark side and, and produced in news for a long time. And through that, got hooked up with the D3 Hoops guys early on. Uh, I, there was a radio station that was streaming before streaming was a thing back in 2000. And I was kind of helping out part time there. And they had some free time. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just start a radio show. This will be fun. Thinking it was such the greatest idea. I've never gone back to listen to that year because it was probably the worst year of radio you could ever imagine. But that got me hooked. I started doing broadcasting. That got me further hooked. And I love Division Three. I love the fact that it's about the student-athlete. It's the true term, student-athlete. I love that it's the biggest division. I love that, you know, you get stories like Yeshiva and you get stories like Hope and you get stories that no one hears about. No one was shining a light on them except at us at D3Hoops.com. So I said, why not? And got support 
from coaches and others out there. We were able to build a studio with my production background, which is what I do, like Elliot, and in my real life. Um, you know, I'm freelance in, in broadcasting, freelance as an announcer, freelance in production. And it allows me to do this uh, because this certainly doesn't pay the bills, as they say. And I love it because we get to talk about great programs like yeshiva and shine a light on them that otherwise other than an article like you wrote they're not getting that attention right can i do we have to go or can i can i bring up one more yeah you can go right ahead i got one more guest but he's patiently waiting we're good um well the 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 thing i didn't get to cover because it's just hard to explain why but but i'll talk to you about which i you know college sports in america is an anomaly and it doesn't really you know at the at the the college industrial sport doesn't make any sense and other people oh no i got friends in europe who have no concept of this whatsoever closest you know and one of the things i was interested in i couldn't get to it for a couple of reasons but it's like you know i I talked about the fact that even that in judaism spectator sports are complicated because this whole idea among the observant that like it's kind of a waste of time and you should be learning torah or you should be doing good works and so one of the reasons, so there was an argument to be made, like yeshiva kind of, they're, they're, the, 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 the whole university is, there's a little bit of a conflict. Between, yes, I've heard that. Right? And so, but I think they think that if you do it well, and they're not perfect at it, by the way, there's a lot, you know, it's a, it's a college basketball program with young men, you know, there's, there, it's it, like anything and it, it, with boosters, et cetera, but they try, I think they try to, to find good at modeling in there, but it's an interesting, you know, the idea that like D3 is probably how college, if you're going to have college hoops, it should only be D3. The idea that these are minor league factories, you know, the D1 and D and really even D2 are, you know, setups for professional leagues. Like it just doesn't make sense. And it's, it can be so corrupting in so many ways. And again, there's D3, there's corruption in D3, there's malfeasance. In oh, of course, there's everywhere. There's people doing bad things in D3. There's yeah, we've, we've reported on them, yeah. Right, but conceptually, the model is, exactly. is like you said, it's a student athlete. And it's it's funny that that's one of the reasons I wanted to write about it was because it was like, you know, like all these guys were talking about people, they're just playing basketball. Like there's a kid there who just came to YU. And he's, he's already done with college. He played it. Uh, I, I talked about him in the story. He played yep. at um, Oberlin. Yep. And he's getting a graphics, you know, graphic, uh, computer graphics and statistics graduate degree. But he was like, oh, they got something going on there. I want to see if I And He's just playing for the love of basketball and to yep. chase a national title. Like there's something essence of sports about that, that that doesn't always or isn't necessarily always present in the higher division my my last uh, my colleague pat would will say it occasionally it's the last bastion of amateur sports yeah and i agree everybody you hear talk about the ncaa this is my my thought for you everybody talks about the ncaa what needs to change what needs to adapt what blah 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 blah. they're all talking about the division three model and mark emmert will be the first one to tell you that by the way i've heard him say it Division three is the model the NCA should be and was supposed to be. It's the only one that remains because we don't have all the money that's complicating things. Unfortunately, that causes other things. I and mean, you and I could talk about that forever. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I that's why I'm involved here. That's why I love this division. That's why I love the work I do. We're shining a light on the true student athletes. And there are some who turn down that stuff at D1 to be here. Yeah, these, whatever all those reason. guys at Yeshiva, those D1 players, they're paying to go to, to, go to school. Absolutely. When, when they, like when they can get free rides. And so yeah. there's something, 
there's something kind of cool about that. And uh, that was just another, you asked why I was, you know, I just, I wanted to shine a little bit of light on that. I appreciate and as it. Soon as I, and as soon as I found out about the Hope women, I was like, oh, I know I'm going to talk to that coach because that story, like if, if, if part of me wants to make ESPN, let me do a story on the, on the Hope women. But I think there's probably a different kind of story to do there. But like that. No, that's, know, that's a good one. That, just, yeah. Oh, trust me. You want to talk about sports. You want to talk. I'll point you to a lot of good stories out there. There's, yeah. It deserves more attention, and that's why we do what we do, and that's why we love doing it. Hey, like I said, I could talk to you forever. Really appreciate the time you gave me and being patient with us as well. Maybe we'll get you on another time. I'd love to stay in touch, too. Yeah, very much. I'm on Twitter, and you have my email, so I would love to stay in touch. I I really am honored that you asked me to come on because when I I told people I was doing this, people who know about D3, they were like, wow, that's the show. Oh, well, that's humbling to hear. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, no, that. Truly. So I was like, okay, good. I was just like, sure, I'll come on your show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but thanks. Um, well, we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just want people to be nice to each other. <clears throat> well said. I agree always, wholeheartedly. Always assume, the best, always assume the best motivations in people, especially strangers, since you don't know what they did the minute before you ran into them or a minute after you leave them. So let's just assume they were feeding the homeless before you left and they're going to care for needy children as soon as they walk away from you. And if you do that, you're going to start being nicer to everybody. That's well said. Well, that's worth thinking about. Thank you so much. Hey, I, again, could talk to you forever. Fascinating. I'm going to go back and read the article again because I keep finding little nuances that I found but interesting. I mean it, by the way, that my book on the origins of sports, you'll like it. Yeah, you'll no, I'm going to look that one up too. My wife's getting a little tired. I have a climbing stack of sports books that I'm reading these days. That one's going in there now. So I appreciate the uh, suggestion. Thanks again. Take, take care. care. Have a great rest of your holidays. I know Hanukkah's over, but I know there's more holidays coming and uh, we'll look forward to touching base with you. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. And thanks again for the time. Bye. He is Gary Belsky. He's the author of an absolutely fascinating Yeshiva article. You have got to check it out. We'll link to it. We are way late as a result. Dan Schumer standing by from Eau Claire. We're going to take a quick break, talk to him. Shift gears hard, but we're going to shift gears. That segment was probably better than I ever could anticipate. I appreciate you all listening in and, and enjoying it with us. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more after this. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're running a little late. I mean, when are we not running late, right? But a wonderful segment there with Gary Belsky. I cannot thank him enough. Um, if you got questions for him or whatever, you know, send them my way. I'll send them on to him. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can join us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Sorry, Facebook, if you're on there and been asking questions. I've neglected you. I don't see many of you there, so... No questions. I feel a little bit better than about myself. Um, all right, so we're going to get going in the next segment, which was supposed to have started quite a while ago. Uh, he has patiently stood by despite his plans in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that in a bit. But there's a big, big move coming. Uh, Eau Claire has already been building things at Wisconsin Eau Claire, like a new football stadium. But they're about to start on a $70 million project that is going to be basically a brand new athletic center, obviously for basketball and volleyball and wrestling. They'll have a new arena. It's going to have a hotel attached to that. There's bigger plans beyond that. And it got me thinking, you know, 5,000 seat arena, hotel next door, you could do some things with that that could alter a little bit of how the championships happen in Division Three. So I made a call to our friend Dan Schumacher and said, Where, am I on the right page? He goes, oh, yes, I am. I said, then you're coming on the show. I want to talk about it. Joining us on the Hoopsville Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline it is Dan Schumacher from Vegas. And in Vegas, we'll explain why in, in a bit. Sir, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time and being patient with us tonight. Um, hey, man, thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't see even from private institutions – $70 million investments in well, an let me, athletics. Let me, first, let me first correct you. Yeah, feel free. It's a $70 million donation. Right. It's the gift it's for $70 million. It's right. a $107 million building. That's $107. That's incredible. So, that's, yeah, yeah, it, I know we have had in D3 institutions who put a lot of money into great athletic centers, and certainly they're pricey. Everything's pricey these days. It, that's just – that's run – Par with the course. But first off, you're putting a huge center together that's got a lot of bells and whistles we'll get to, but you don't get a state institution get $70 million every day from, from a donor. That's incredible in its own right. Well, it's one of the largest, if not the third, I think it was registered maybe around the third largest single donation in the whole UW system. So that wow. includes Madison. That includes Madison. Yeah. So, this is a game changer for our community. We're, you know, we're a community of about 250,000 people. Uh, we have our own airport. We have three television stations. You know, we're our own world in Northwest Wisconsin. And um, Johnny, Carol, and Sonitag, who are the donors, um, donated a bunch of land right across from campus that runs along the Chippewa River, a beautiful piece of land. Um, and we're gonna build a 5,000 seat arena 
you know, I say it, uh, you could fit another 2,000 on the floor the way it's going to be designed. So it's an event center. Um, so we're going to only host basketball out of there. So um, on a regular basis, when we go to bid on national championships, as I alluded to you before, you know, we're going to bid on volleyball, wrestling, basketballs. We even may bid on some Division Two stuff because it's going to be that type of facility. Um, adjoining to it, uh, our team physicians is the Mayo Clinic. Uh, so the Mayo is building an orthopedic uh, surgery and rehabilitation addition uh, right on to the, the facility, which is worth about $20 million. And then we have, we'll be building a 120-yard indoor field house that will service all of our sports, along with the new fitness center and new athletic offices. But really, it's going to be the home of Blue Gold Basketball. The field house will be the home of the other 20 three sports we have besides the two basketball. We have 25 sports, about 830 athletes, largest athletic department that I'm aware of in the Midwest. Um, so it's it's a big deal. Like you said, we're building another foot. We're building a brand new multi-purpose stadium to host track, soccer, lacrosse, football. Um, we just built a new softball stadium, new wrestling room, new gymnastics center, new tennis center. Um, you know, by the time the next three years roll around, we'll have about $130 million worth of new athletic facilities that we feel that, as I've always preached, coming from Division One, what I've realized about Division Three, it's not about scholarship, it's about facilities. And the only way you're going to attract the greatest Division Three prospects is that, you know, the kids nowadays, they want the nice, shiniest penny. You know, they want, if they're going to go, you know, they, they don't have a problem driving mom and dad's car that they bought them. But when they go to buy the, when, when they go to buy their own, they're, they're pretty picky. Yeah. So um, this is the same type of analogy that, you know, we had a, a basketball arena from 1952, um, old barn, the probably the oldest facility in the state out of the state system. So it was due, due a long time ago, but uh, John and Carolyn Sonatek stepped up and, and, and believed in the vision of what our chancellor wanted um and what i wanted uh and so we, somehow some way we got it done it took seven years to do it to get all the ducks in all because you have the city involved so yeah the other side of this is it's not just obviously as a state institution there's state aspects of it and obviously a city's going to be involved because you're a state institution but you have a partnership that reminds me a little bit of the city of Salem and its partnership with the ODAC slash Roanoke College, not necessarily with facilities, but just in the relationship you all have in having these events and, and doing these things. This takes it a whole nother step. That's correct. I mean, we what we have right now, like I said, it's about $107 million building. Uh, we're in for $70 million as an institution, $20 million from the Mayo Clinic. You have another... Um, 16 million from a student referendum. Yeah, that was surprising too. Yes, the students believed in this project because really, in, in theory, this this event center is going to be so state-of-the-art. You could literally play basketball on a Wednesday night and Toby Keith can play there the next night. It's a D1, forgive me, it's a D1 approach yep. at a D3 institution. I'll get back to that more, but that's, I mean, you see that in my area at a UMBC. You see that at a Maryland. You see that at a, at a Towson yeah. University. I mean, I know at Towson University, for example, just as a quick aside, when I fill in there working, they'll talk about events that take place. For example, the, the major indoor soccer league team, the Baltimore Blast play there. But athletics is not involved in any way, shape, or form. That's all done through the event center. 
So Correct. This, Correct. this is a different take on things, and that's why I was so intrigued on getting you on about it. Yeah, the Plus students have bought in. This is really interesting. Plus, you have a hotel. So we have right. private investors. <laughs> we, have pri- we have private investors that in, uh, was a bid situation. So not only will you have the event center in this massive, you know, 225,000 square foot place, it'll have a hallway that connects to a brand new 250-room hotel. And that'll have banquet rooms and, and, and private retail and restaurants all along the, the Chippewa River. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's it, and it really enhances the entire community. We just we just built a brand new uh, what we call the Pablo Center, which is a new theater uh, out, indoor facility for plays and musicals. But it only holds like 25, 3000 people. But it's a new art center that's university property. This just complements it from a bigger event standpoint, but it holds graduation. It's gonna hold all the high school's graduations. It's truly gonna be a community um, centerpiece. Yeah. And uh, that's why the city was involved. So like I said, you got the mail, you got the students, and you got private money. Then you add in another $10 million from the city of Eau Claire. Wow. And their visitors board believes in this project because of the hotel tax and the way it's gonna be paid for that when we start bidding on these championships, these events, these things, uh, it'll reap its benefits, economic development within the within the city and within Chippewa and Eau Claire County. Listen, we talk a lot about in professional sports, you know, cities that fork over tons of money uh, for facilities that arguably they don't even use. In this case, obviously, the city will be using this, as you mentioned, high school graduations and whatever else you know, conventions or whatever else comes to town. AAU stuff. AAU yep. stuff. I and, mean, this you, field house will be able to put uh, 10 different volleyball courts, sport courts down and play a huge volleyball tournament. That's insane. Um, the way the thing is designed, the bleachers can retract and stuff. We could actually have three basketball courts down and have AAU basketball. And you're going to get so, this built in two years? Yeah. Well, we've been kind of ahead of the curve, Dave. We've been moving land and doing – you know, this original $10 even, million even dollar gift the, the land, you know, it, it started a couple of years ago. We just didn't get the big, big down payment till just recently. Sure. Uh, but it's been a project because John and Carolyn are business people and they wanted to make sure that all the other ducks were in a row before fair. they came in and closed out the project. Yeah, fair. And, 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 and he, that's why he's worth as much. I, mean, I was going to say, that's why he's got that yeah. kind of money to, to shell out. <laughs> Let's just be um, honest. With that, you know? By the way, we're we're happy if he wants to make a donation to change this to the Sonnentag Studios. Um, yeah, you want to talk to the man? Please have him call me. Happy to take a donation on, on his part. We're not a we're not a nonprofit, but we can make arrangements for whatever he needs. <laughs> um, you talk about championships that you want to bid, and and obviously. Men's and women, women's basketball has been moving around quite a bit. Eau Claire, you're, you're part of the best conference in Division Three in men's and women's basketball. The men's basketball tournament's now at, at Fort Wayne. Obviously, bid cycle comes up soon. You guys will time it out right. You told me off air, yeah, and you've already said it here on the broadcast. Yeah, championships are what you want to make a, a bid for. I assume you're. this is the type of facility you've done your homework to know what these – sports need for a good championship to be held i don't i don't get the sense that you guys are are uh, are just thinking you might get championships you are seriously trying to go for them no this is part of the strategic plans of the building so there, there there's no and ifs or buts i mean we're we've already hosted 
many regional competitions, things like that. We just hosted the volleyball regional. We won right. a national championship. Um, we're hosting wrestling regionals. Um, this all fits in with the plan, and the facility just allows us that opportunity. And we've already talked to the NCAA. You know, we're already talking to the WIAA, which is the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Association, yeah. which is the state high school. And they want us, they want to bring the state championships out of Madison. Wow. Because, you know, maybe it's not as kosher or as easy to deal with uh, when you're dealing with the Cole Center and the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Fair. So, and, and with us, we have an airport. You know, we got a full airport with flights going out four or five times a day. Um, it's centrally located. We're an hour from the Twin Cities. We're on a major highway, uh, Interstate 94, um, and people know our community and can get to it. So I'm working also with the Wisconsin, in, you know, high school leagues to start moving some things. And you know, in the next step is to build a brand new high, hockey arena, um, and that'll be adjoining to the other side of the hotel. And then that would allow us to bid on many different things. And, you know, you never know about where our hockey programs could go from there. Sure. So, And then that, you know, I know, could be a future part of this project as well. Um, yep. I got to ask the question. You know, I asked you off air, so I'll, I'll be fair and, and, and ask the same question I asked, I asked you then. You know, you hear D2 championships. You hear about the facility being on par of what a D1 would consider, especially a mid-major. Is this a is this also part and parcel with maybe moving e, UWEC to to a D one system or even D two? Well, uh, no, I I um I, that's a hard one to answer, Dave. But you know, I came from Division one as an athletic director, which was an unusual move. If you ask any of my no, we think uh, we fellow, think D three is the best. So it was a, it was an ingenious yeah, move, Dan. Right, you know. Um, <laughs> In other athletic directors, if they're listening, they're going to relate to this. Um, you can't really, if you're an AD, it doesn't matter what level you're at, until you have support of your chancellor or president and share the same vision, your athletic department is not going to move in a positive direction. Absolutely true. And I and I have a chancellor that we have a relationship of 35 years. Um, we worked together before, and uh, it took a lot for me to leave Division One. You know, I mean, that was, uh, you know, you get to, you worked your way up through the system, you worked the ladder, but living in a community of like Eau Claire and the quality community that it is, the type of living conditions, the affordability, um, everything that it's got going for it, um, it, 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 it has now become a no-brainer. In the beginning, it was skeptical, but um, as we've moved through and, and allowed the shared vision and the support I don't want to go anywhere else because we've got some finished business to get done. And like I said to uh, my local media, I don't know another Division One or Division Two AD that's that's going to be associated with 125, 130 million dollars worth of building. Yeah. And and so I'm very fortunate. I'm very. Uh, we have great alumni, great, and a great academic institution. You know, I mean, you know, us lacrosse in Madison. You know, um, pretty elite academic institutions out of the UW system. And so, you know, I put all those pieces together, you know, and the other, if other ADs are listening, they know that sometimes you have to balance, uh, worry about academics. It's the first school I've been to in my 30 years that literally when I go to work, I don't have anybody academically ineligible. That's I'm working impressive. on getting better, I'm working on getting people athletically better. Um, our coaches don't teach. I took care of that early in my tenure. They are full-time coaches. 
Um, and it's about building facilities to attract the best, to give them all the tools to win. You know, look at volleyball. We won a national championship. When I walked in, it was a gym, meaning a basketball gym. I came in and stripped the whole place, made it a volleyball stadium. That allowed Kim Woody, my volleyball coach, to bring kids in and go, wow, this is my own place. You know, those make a difference for Division Three. You know, at Division Two and Division One, you're paid to be there. They turn a blind eye to facilities as long as they're getting paid to be there. Fair, yeah. And so, you know, that's what we're we're working towards, and we're we're hoping to go, like I said, from the outhouse to the penthouse uh, in, in the last ten years. I was going to say the only other thing I got a question about is does. You know, I felt for the last, let's say, 10 years, I don't have an exact number on it, that it's a bit of an arms race to some degree um, among some. It is. Not all in D3, but there feels like there's a bit of an arms race in terms of facilities, avoidable or unavoidable. I don't know. Is this just going to spur somebody else, especially in the YX system, maybe to do something? And is, is that a concern? Maybe it's Maybe it's not a concern. It's not a concern now. It was a concern before, before we developed the master campus plan, which we put a sports and recreation master campus plan together to look at the other UW system schools, the Whitewaters, the Platteville's, the Oshkosh's, even River Falls. They just have $40 million worth of upgrades themselves. But remember, all that stuff was state built. Our right. stuff is all privately raised. That's Everything from softball to football to Sonatech, we raise money and don't go to the taxpayer for it. So, um, it separates us a little bit, um, but it is a little bit of an arms race within our own conference. I can't speak to the rest of the country. Yeah, I just know that when you go to Whitewater, you know they got a fourteen thousand seat football stadium. Yeah, they do. You know, <laughs> um, and they, they have might some be busy nice on Saturday. facilities and workout facilities. But right now, when we're done, we're going to have an indoor practice facility that be second to none. And I think lacrosse is building one right now, part of a track complex. But other than that, nobody else can have an indoor field house or a 5,000-seat arena with million-dollar center-hung scoreboard, all the credit crap, you know, uh, as I put it. So I think it's, it is an arms race because it's about attracting students. And also remember, and, and, and I'm going to go deeper, because Division Three right now is about enrollment. Yes, and retention. And, and, come, to, and come 2025, oh, it's an enrollment cliff. Yeah, big cliff coming. But, yep, and so... We need why we started. I started three sports in the last two years. Yeah, brought back men's baseball, added men's soccer, added women's lacrosse. Yeah, because of the facility we were building can house them and 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 compete. But that's more part of a bigger picture. Even at a state school, enrollment. Yep, because yep. we're all losing enrollment. Private schools, state schools, the, the the pot is dwindling, and we need to prepare for that. All of us in higher ed as we reach 2025 when we're all going to be competing against the same students. Yeah. It's going to be a smaller, smaller uh, pond as it were for, for right. everybody. Hey, uh, right. don't want to let you go without letting you brag on why you're out in Vegas. Um, it's not yeah. every day. I mean, it's not, you're not out there for the greatest event ever. Uh, we all know that takes place between Christmas and New Year's at the uh, D3Hoops.com Classic at South Point. <laughs> Which I'm used to. I've been out here for. Yeah, yep. and we, we enjoyed having You guys kind of re reinvented how to do that, bringing both teams out yep. and making a big deal out of it. We appreciated that, too. You no, but go ahead and brag on why you're out there. You certainly deserve the uh, – the, the, the coaches deserve the attention. Yeah, you know, um, my current head coach, Leslie Huntington, is being inducted into the Softball Hall of Fame tomorrow night. Uh, so myself, my chancellor – um, our president of our foundation, 
a couple other coaches are out here along with family from Leslie's family. But I'm also breaking bread with two of my former coaches at Division One and Division Two that are out here for the con- convention. So it's funny, my last three schools, I've got all three softball coaches sitting downstairs in the lobby having a libation, and we're all telling stories. And they're all telling stories about me. Yeah, of course. on me. Yeah, well, they, you're me. not their boss I'm anymore. I'm not there now. And I'm not down there at the pub, and 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 I can't believe what they could be saying right now. Yeah, well, we'll let you go down there. Um, we did have a spy out there. We don't. We can't repeat what was said. Okay. I think fair. it's about something about you not being able to fire them anymore. Uh, it's just the two I can't. But I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I the one being a Hall of Famer. I don't think you got any leverage. And actually, two out of the three are Hall of Famers. That's My pretty one impressive. From Lewis University at Division Two. He's a Hall of Famer. He's retired out here, actually, him and his wife. Um, so it was good to catch up with some of my old coaches. And, you know, I'm getting really old and, you know, I don't have much more left before I retire. And um, it's great to see and have these coaching trees and these relationships. And it doesn't matter what level you are. It's still about people. Yeah. It's still about good people that love kids and love doing something for student athletes and love their profession, love their sport. And I can't be more blessed for the type of coaches I've been working with for since 19, well, even as an athlete from 1985. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure working in college athletics because of people. Well, congratulations on the project. That's certainly darn impressive. Uh, Congratulations to your coach as well on the hall of fame. Uh, I appreciate you you taking the time and, and patience with us. I'll let you go down and and try and, combat the stories that are being told now as always though, yeah. we give we give the cast the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in you know it's um and i'll give the recruiting pitch i mean we have a great university great academic institution you know before covid we took 10th place in the director's cup mm-hmm. highest ranked highest ranked public institution in the country um so i'm very proud of our coaching staff and today is just one of those days that's pleasurable to be in this business that you get to sit with coaches and you're going to watch your current coach go into the hall of fame who is more appreciative than most. She just got a new softball stadium. I built, you know, a couple, three years ago and she played at a municipal stadium all these years and now she's got her own digs and uh, she's, she's awesome. And she deserves to be in the hall of fame. She's won a world. She won the 2008 national championship out in Salem. Um, And so I'm just happy for her and I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm in Vegas, man. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And it, there's a massive snowstorm going on back in Wisconsin right well, now. Well, that's a shame. You're missing that? Yeah, you know, I missed it before I left, <laughs> and I'll miss it after it leaves. Yeah. So You'll get back and be like, what storm? Right I don't know what you're you talking know, about. Bad pun, but it's all aces right now. <laughs> well played, sir. Well, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Thank we'll you. look forward to talking to you. And again, Sonnentag Studio. I, I'm telling you, it has a nice ring to it. I can see a sign right behind you right there. Absolutely. We can make it work. Neon even if we need. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You've been so fair, and I I appreciate it as we've communicated over the years. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, sir. Take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your evening and weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, D3. Yep. Dan Shoemaker joining us. Shoemaker joining us from uh, Eau Claire. Appreciate it. Well, Vegas in this case, but Eau Claire in general. Uh, I'll um, appreciate his time. We're going to uh, wrap up the show now. I've got a couple of notes I want to get to here real quick um, before we uh, jet off. First off, thanks to my buddy Luke, got me uh, this information. I want to make sure I read it right. Um, Middlebury, 
has uh, moved to remote instruction as of December 10th in alignment of COVID-19 protocols for team play. All athletic uh, competitions will be postponed until further notice. Make updates will be posted at a later date. So all athletic competitions at Middlebury have been postponed, have been put on hold, have been ceased, however you want to describe it, based on uh, COVID-19 protocols. I don't know more than that. It is literally, I don't know if you can see it. There we go. One paragraph on their website. Um, We will certainly figure out what's going on, but just FYI, Middlebury is shutting down things academic athletically until further notice and have gone to remote instruction so keep an eye on that in the meantime uh yeshiva got a win today as we were talking about them over washington college though closer than the experts thought Uh, the final was 86 76 uh bob quillman somebody pointed this out where is it um oh i don't see it anymore here it is um, Washington College has played two other ranked teams in the country. They played Christopher Newport and lost 102-37. They played Johns Hopkins and lost 92-61. It was a 20-point game. I've been keeping track of it against Yeshiva for most of it. Um, well, it got to a 20-point game. It had been a 10- to 12-point game most of it. Uh, so in, interestingly enough, a 10-point, 9-point finish is interesting. Uh, they're talking about it on Twitter. Of course, hashtag D3Hoops if you want to keep track. The thing that jumped out at me, Gabe Leifer, who we were talking with, um, uh, we were talking our guest with about 10 points, 16 assists, 13 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. That is a heck of a stat line, no matter how you look at it. Um, so fascinating. Fascinating stuff. Real quick check of email and messages to see if we have anything before we jet off. Um, let's see here. Sorry, double checking a couple different places. Nope, that's it. So we don't have any questions. Appreciate that. We'll be back on the air Sunday night, seven o'clock Eastern time. Still debating what we'll have. We'll probably get Bob and Ryan back on most likely. We'll talk to them. See, if not, we'll wait a week. It's not the end of the world. It kind of be repetitive after we just did it on Monday. Top 25 combo. But we have some other uh, guest ideas and some other people we'll bring on. So we will work towards that. Um, reminder in football, the semifinals are on Saturday. So be sure to tune into ESPN. I think they put it on ESPNU. If not, it's ESPN3. Uh, you can watch the um, semifinals, North Central at Mount Union, which is a bit controversial, and Mary Harden Baylor at Whitewater. Uh, chance to go to the uh, Stag Bowl. And the Stag Bowl winners, uh, the Stag Bowl game being played at Canton, Ohio, in a little over a week. Oh, week from Friday, I believe. I'm not sure, actually, the exact date, but it's a week from now. Uh, so encourage you to go over to D3Football.com and give those guys some support as well. Obviously, they're busy and working hard. But I want to thank everybody who came on the show. Um, really great to chat with everybody. Um, but fun to uh, – tonight's show was fun. Nice to get back into the Thursday action. But I want to thank Melissa – Kuberka of um, St. John Fisher. I want to thank uh, Scott Koval of DeSales. I want to really thank uh, Gary Belsky uh, of ESPN, who wrote that article about Yeshiva. Great conversation with him. And, of course, thanks to Dan Schumacher of uh, Eau Claire. Really nice to chat with everybody. Um, again, on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Not sure what our exact topics will be, but we'll, we'll work towards that. We'll get you some info. We're going to be on the air Sundays and Thursdays between now and we finally made a decision in this household as to what we're doing. So 
double check on the date so I don't get it wrong. Sunday the 19th will be our last show. So we've got, let's see, one, two, three, four more shows in this side of the of the new year and the holidays. And then we'll get back on the air on the other side of the new year. Uh, we'll take a break until Sunday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, ESPN Plus. Thank you, Luke. The football games will be on ESPN Plus. ESPN 3. Same difference. Watch ESPN. Whichever term you want to use. Um, by the way, they tend to re-air them, too, leading up to the Stag Bowl, if you if you want it. And they on on ESPN2 or ESPNU, so they happen to be there, too. Um, we will take uh, a break till Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank our supporters at D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches, National Women's Basketball Coaches Association, of course, Blue Frame Technology, maybe Sonnentag family. I'm just saying, if you tuned in and listened, we love you. We'd love some support. <laughs> um there's other things to keep that are keeping us busy in D3 sports. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville or my personal Twitter account, which you can find. We could, we, we, we have, we're working hard behind the scenes. Let's just say that. Um, also, don't forget Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, Instagram at D3 Hoopsville as well. And you can always email us Hoopsville at D3sports.com. We'll see you on Sunday, everybody. You've been listening to Hoopsville. But if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you back here Sunday evening. Good night, everybody.